The MX Vice Show. Welcome to episode 98 of the MX Vice Show podcast, coming to you straight after the MXGP of Portugal, round four of 20 of the 2022 FIM Motocross World Championship. We had a new winner in MXGP, thank Jesus, we needed that. If we had guys that go four in a row to start the season, then this podcast may have just gone up in flames because the signs would not have been good for a competitive championship. But Prado has rebounded, said some interesting stuff that we'll get into on this podcast, and yeah. There's actually a bit of new blood in the championship, so plenty to talk about on episode 98 of the MXY Show. Of course, we are here and able to talk about Portugal thanks to Fly Racing, Liat, Scott Sports, Rentful, Manscaped, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, the Supercross Video Pass, MXGP TV, Even Strokes, Asterix Knee Braces, and Armour Nutrition. We've got your questions coming up in Liat Ask Vice Anything. Many questions this week because many things happened in Portugal. The Planet Motor Bombshell of the Week, a lot to get into there, Jesus Christ. So a lot, a lot going on. A lot going on in the coming coming hours. Next two hours or so, plenty going on. Fly Racing has redefined expectations in safety and performance with a Formula Helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula Helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring Rion technology, conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's Advanced Impact System, AIS, introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1290 grams, we believe the Formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the Formula Helmet has changed the game. And the Formula Helmet won in Portugal, thanks to Rick Helsinger in the EMX 250 class. And Isaac Gifting showed some very strong rides with his Formula helmet. And Conrad Muse had a very strong first motor with his as well. So the flight racing Formula helmet just taking over. It's only a matter of time before it is dominating MXGP. Fly Racing uh, present the first part of the MXY Show podcast. So I'm Lewis Phillips, your host. And with me is... A man who missed his second GP in succession. He's now 50-50 on GPs attended versus missed. It's James Burfield. Hello, Lewis. Thanks for bringing that up. I did have a, a very nice weekend with my family. It was my daughter's uh, birthday this weekend. So uh, she's, she has family coming over this weekend. And last weekend was uh, a weekend away for, uh, with her best friend. So um, things you've got to do for family, Lewis. Things you've got to do. That's, that's a nice excuse. Um, did you watch Portugal, though? I did, yeah. So um, I was uh, afforded the time to be able to watch a GP, so it was good. How was it? How did it come across on TV? Yeah, really good. Um, obviously, crowd looked good. Um, I've obviously been there um, before, so it's, it's, it's quite nice seeing it on TV when you've been there because you can see different aspects of it and you kind of know what the track layout and stuff. But um, I thought the racing was good. Um, I like the track. Um, it, yeah, it looked, looked really good on TV. It always helps, I think, when um, JT as well is on the commentary. 
Fly racing with Jason Thomas. Yeah, I think it just breaks it up. Like, um, you know, Paul's really good, but um, uh, it's just nice when there's two people on there. I think it really, really does help. That's, that's, some, nice, that's some nice feedback on the MXGP of Portugal uh, from you, James. No, thank so, you. Prado won. Um, I think I called it on the last podcast. I think I did. I think you did, um, yeah. I think I did. That's well, well done to me. Yeah. Um, before we get into Prado, I'm going to play you something here because... Um, I just want your take on it. Just okay. a one minute 30 thing, so nothing too long. Just want your take on it. Okay. Yep, let's do it. Uh, last question, because we've ended up in the car park. <laughs> um, obviously, not much time before Trentino, but what's one thing at the moment you really want to work on, something you want to fix, something that you think will make you that little bit better? To don't stress too much and to don't put too much pressure on myself because that leads to a um, very... Like feels like the race days are very long for yeah. me lately. I just put so much pressure on myself that fine, I'm just tired from all the pressure I just put on myself. Not really from riding or anything, just from the pressure. But I, it's normal. It's part of the game. But uh, like I told you in the, um, earlier in the interview, um, my last win was in Lockett last year. I mean, so many rounds passed. Yeah. You know, uh, we rode so many uh, rounds, and I didn't win anymore till today. So. How more rounds go by, harder it gets to win. Yep. For example, team won the first, the second, the third one came easy to him, and then I could stop him now. Yeah. Okay, now it's a break point to okay, let's try to do the same. Now, my my turn. <laughs> um one more quick question. Oh, okay, Tim. Stop, stop. <laughs> um, so do you, you say you put pressure on yourself and you think a bit too much. Is that just on race day or do you, are you kind of like that as a person anyway? Like on Wednesday in the middle of the week, are you thinking a lot always? No, actually it's on race day. And I think it's because the last year so I had so many injuries that, I don't know, you don't want to take any, any risk. And that pulls you a little bit back yeah. in some situations. You know, for example, Argentina, I really feel like I, I saw everywhere risks and I didn't feel comfortable. And that's uh, one of the things that why I was not riding like myself and um, and in, in certain points on the track where I see something that can be dangerous. I I don't go like maybe a couple of years ago, I yeah. would go, okay, I just go <laughs> wide open and okay, I think I have everything in the, in the like I have everything uh, under control. And then maybe you crash, I don't know. And uh, I, I really don't want to get into that situation of being in the ground and getting hurt and being on the couch just trying to get back racing. I really don't want to do that. So I just want to race. And and if it takes a little bit longer, it's not a problem because the season is long. I just want to be on the podium and ride loose and try to ride like myself. That's it. Thoughts? Damn. That was quite deep. He, um, it sounds yeah, like I was, I was like, his, I was in shock a little bit. It sounds like he's uh, figured some things out, which actually is uh, bad news for everybody else. Because um, I like the fact that he's he's a little bit more calculated now. Like he knows he can be faster. He knows that he could take risks and go for the win. But basically, I think he's just sick and tired of being on the floor or injured. So it's like, do you know what? I'm just gonna bide my time. I'm going to podium. If the win's there, I'll take the win. And do you know what? That's, that's what a champion needs to do. Yeah, that's, but, that's really interesting that he's thinking that way. But not, not just that. What about the pressure thing? Uh, I think that's... I think if you're at the top of your game, 
like like uh, him, like Tim, like yeah, Roman. Um, it's like like all of them. Jeffrey, there, there's always putting a certain amount of pressure on them. And I think oh, he's well, right. I think the the longer it goes without a win, I think the more pressure you put on there. You start not not doubting yourself, but you start questioning yourself. What are you not doing? Um, but I think he's quite he's figured out one of the reasons why you know Argentina didn't go well is because he didn't feel comfortable. So instead of just where before, maybe pride or maybe um, being young, he might just think, "Us, oh, you know, I'll just pin it," and then something goes wrong. He's now thought, "Do you know what? I'll come out of um, Argentina in one piece," and there's still you know 17 other races. I like I it. I thought the pressure thing was more interesting than the other thing that you are harping on, to be honest. I was playing it for the pressure thing, not the thing you're harping on. Well, what's your, thought, what's your thoughts on the pressure thing? I just thought it was... I don't know, I just thought it was very interesting that he just straight up came out and said that he basically struggles with stressing so much on race day. Like, it actually is holding, holds, holds him back. Like, I didn't expect him to say that. I don't think anyone's ever looked at Prado and thought that he struggles with pressure. But based on the way he said it there, it sounds like basically... Until he got this win, it was only going to get worse and worse than it has been. Yeah. So the big and the most interesting thing now, and the first question I'll be asking him after the race in Trentino is, did you feel differently today knowing that you won last week? Because that, and if he, and if he does feel different in Trentino, what does that mean? Does that mean he's now going to be X amount stronger and more of a threat for Tim? Like that's, that's all interesting to me. I, I just think, uh, what, how old is he? Is he like 20, 21? 21, I think. 21. To, be, to be 21, ride the way he does and figure out that so young. At 21, he's kind of figured out one of the biggest things which, um, you know, pretty much all riders struggle with is putting pressure on themselves and, you know, not competing at a level that they um, feel that they should be at. To figure that out at 21 is huge. Like, I, I think you need to address that because that that's... A, he's like a... 40-year-old guy in a 21-year-old body because um, it takes us a while in life to figure those things out. But yeah, but him, I, think, I think you're looking at this the wrong way because I don't think he's saying that as in he's figured it out. I think he's saying... I don't think he's saying that in a way of like, I've made this calculated decision. I, I think he's saying that as in, I'm scared to take risks. Yeah. Like, uh, you know what I mean? Rather, whereas you're saying it in a way of like, he's made this decision within himself, I think he's saying it in a way of like, I don't feel comfortable being on the ragged edge at the moment because in my mind, going back to the pressure thing and everything, I'm just thinking about staying healthy. Yeah, but I think... Yeah, there's, like same but different, you know? Yeah, but there's other variables, hey? Because he's not... He, he might be saying, in a way, um, he's not bringing the bike into it, but maybe he doesn't feel 100% comfortable on the bike. Maybe the no, bike... he does because he said in every interview this year, he said that he is literally making no changes to the bike other than one clicker. Per GP, like he said, he said it's the best bike he's ever ridden, and he's very um in, on point. I, I remember you saying that at the Matterly, I think it was when he, he sort of talked. He about said that. it every week. Um, look, I mean, it's just my it's just my thoughts in in the fact that all I'm saying is that it takes us it takes actually understanding the problem is eighty percent of of the way there. So he's just got to try and figure out the next 20% with how he deals with that race day pressure. Well, I don't even think it, I don't even know if it's a problem. It sounds like it's, I don't think it sounds like a problem because it sounds like now it's, it's, I guess I'm now jumping onto your side of the fence. It sounds like he's very clear on what the situation is. Yeah. I mean, that, that, look, a lot of people, a lot of riders won't kind of grasp that. They won't kind of like sometimes admit that what 
you know, it takes a it takes a big person to admit that they're a little bit scared about being on the ragged edge. And I'm not saying scared as in ooh, scared. I mean, like actually calculating that there's percentages here, which you know, you you go over one percent and that that ends badly. So the fact that he and he's very vocal about, it. I quite like his honesty. Yeah, I like I like Prado a lot. I have a lot of time for Prado, and quickly becoming one of the best interviews in the paddock, which. He's, he's not on Sewer's level yet, but he's definitely charging towards her. Yeah, I just like the honesty. I mean, one thing which I think um, Motocross lacks is, uh, is, is honesty. Uh, you, you know, when you look at other sports like football and maybe Formula One's getting a bit better, but, um, and that's obviously because drive to survive. But I think even with football, if there's a problem, usually people kind of talk about it. Um, like, you know, injuries, anything. I just think, feel like there's this really guarded insecurity within... Um, Within top level motocross, where people are not willing to talk, I will say. I will say. Actually, I will say it. Like pat on pat on the back for Lewis. I think you can hear in that that he was honest because he was comfortable with me because he was laughing and he was like, ha, like you can hear. <laughs> oh my God, what that that accelerated? No, genuine. No, genuine. Like I think that's what I think. I think you can hear that. So, so, so basically, you're saying that you're bringing the best out of Prado. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> What, have I not done it with Sewer? Have I not done it with everyone? Have I not done it with Hurlins? <laughs> I'm only joking. Hey, look, that's for other people to comment, not yourself. No, I just say that I think, no, listening to it back, I think you can hear that he's, he was quite comfortable, which is maybe why he went over yeah. the honesty line. Yeah, try putting, try putting your arm around him on the next interview. I like Prado a lot. I have a lot of time for Prado. Walk to the car park with him, just as you could hear, just walk to the car park. Um, yeah, no, interesting. And interesting to see what that turns into this weekend, Latvia, Majora. Um, because if he gets a little bit better, and you know what, you know what, I said it on the last podcast, Prado always gets better after round four or five. So maybe this is the start of something. Maybe put that podcast in with a result and a win and all of that, and maybe this is actually something that's going to fire up a little bit. Well, he's, a, he's 21 count, points down. That's nothing, is it? Counter to that is Tim was still the better rider in Portugal. Yeah. So... Agreed. You can basically wipe everything we just said and go back to the fact that Tim was still the fastest and strongest rider in Portugal. And had he not crashed, or not crashed, sorry, had he not had a bad start in the first moto, maybe this would literally be not a conversation because Prado would still be dealing with it. But counter again, equally, guys are getting a bad start has opened the door for Prado to get some momentum, get the monkey off his back. And that could be that little. The difference between finishing second and third in the first moto could be costly for Geyser, not points-wise, just firing Prado up-wise. Which is interesting. Yes? Yeah, agreed. I, um, I, I, I'm just, you know, I, I'm just in awe of, um, of, in Prado, for, for, of Prado just coming out and being honest. I like it. I like it. I think, I think he could go on and he can do, uh, he can do good things. I um, like Prado. I have a lot of time for Prado. Do you uh, said it. okay? Do you think he's got the? I think Prado is going of, of Tim now. I think Prado. I've said it before that Hurlings carries this championship way more than people realise. I think Prado is going to take that mantle in the coming years as Hurlings winds this thing down. I think Prado is going to become the guy who carries this shot, this championship on his shoulders a little bit. Yeah, um, I agree. He is. He is the new. Because he's got, the per- he's got a bit of personality about him. He's got some cool swag about him. He's, got F- like he's kind of got the full package like Jeffrey. A yeah. um, little bit of stats for you quickly, James. I know you enjoy okay. these. I love, I love stats, yeah. Um, 
Prado has ended lap one ahead of Tim Geyser in 43 of the 72 races that they have completed together. Tim Geyser has hit the checkered flag ahead of Prado in 46 of the 72 races that the pair have done together. Since they have been racing together in the same class, Tim Geyser has stood on the overall podium 20 times. Prado has been on the podium 16 times in the same time frame. And Geyser has won 12 overall wins in the time that they have been in the same class together, and Prado has four. Mm. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Just <laughs> Well, my point well, with those is, my point with those is, maybe coming into the season, we kind of didn't quite Maybe the gap between Geyser and Prado was bigger than any of us maybe realised. That's my point. Yeah, I think that's backed up with um, the age, how long Geyser's been in the in MXGP now. The fact that um, Prado's only 21, where most kids are still in uh, an EMX 250. <laughs> I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Um, look, Tim is... is an amazing rider. Like we, we don't give him enough credit, and when he retires and we look back, we'll see how dominating he was. I think we give him a lot of, enough credit, don't we? I, I, I say we, as in the motocross community. I don't know if we, the motocross community, give Tim as much credit as he deserves because he is a multi-world champion. Um, he's still really young, and also he's had to ride against some of the best riders ever with Crowley in, in the Erlins. So um, to be able to take those titles in that time is is pretty phenomenal. Um, I I do think that you know Prado is still and Prado's great. He is you know unbelievable, but I still think there's way more to come, and that's the scary thing. Like I don't, uh, he, he's not peaked yet. That's for me. He's still young. He's still. Um, still finding himself and still finding out what, what, you know, what his boundaries are on the, on the race bike. And it's just little insights which you told me, like uh, when he was back in America and he's got like, I'm going to hit that jump. And um, just those little things. And, I, and I, ge I generally don't think that we've seen the best of him yet. And that's scary. Um, just a quick Geyser Prado comparison on the season so far for you. Uh, Geyser average finish 1.6, Moto wins for. Best finish first, worst finish third. Uh, Prado, average finish third. Moto wins three. Best finish first, worst finish seven. That's, that's the difference maker there. Um, Geyser, average start 3.7. Best start first, worst start sixth. Uh, Prado, average start 2.6. So actually not that much better than Geyser. Uh, best start first, worst start ninth. So actually worst, a worse start than Prado, uh, than Geyser's had this year as well. Just a little quick comparison for you there. Yeah, I don't think, um, obviously there's the, there must be differences between the gas gas and the KTM because he doesn't look as dominant on, on the starts as what he usually is. Prado. Yeah, but is, is this coming back to that pressure thing he was talking about? Hmm. Maybe, but I don't know. He never, he's never seemed to have had any issues with, with starts. I don't know if he's having issues with starts. He's got the best average start in the class. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's got the best average start in the class by a, by a full figure, a full one. Yeah, it's, I, I don't know. When I, when I mean dominate, I mean, usually he gets a start and he pulls a lead, doesn't he? Okay, so you're not talking about the start. You're talking about the what happens after the start. But if the, literally the first two, three laps, he usually is kind of, you know, gets a start, 
Well, shall should... I take you back to the risk thing? Because that is the ultimate risk, is getting a whole shot on a fresh track and riding on the ragged edge to build a gap. I guess so, yeah. Well, it's, that's quite good because Prado has literally given us answers to every question. <laughs> like, yeah. that's not even me talking. Every question you just asked, we've kind of got the answer from Prado now, I guess. So, that's that. It's going to be how he manages it. It's going to be how what he puts in place to be able to manage that pressure. That's going to be the interesting thing. And again, the um, scary thing, because when he figures that out, you know, that puts a lot of pressure on other people. Uh, so yeah, guys, the second overall guys is fine. Uh, only lost two points in the championship. Still very fast. Still the fastest rider. No reason to like move away from that bandwagon at all. Um, and I expect he'll win this weekend. A few eyebrows raised in the paddock by other riders for two reasons. Uh, one, guys are crashed in time practice, just a little crash, but went over the bars. And I know a few riders saw it and were like, oh, okay, he's still, um, there's still chinks in the armors, in the armor there. Um, so a few riders after practice said to me, like, oh, he's still like, there's still something there. And two, it's not on his social media now, but I think I saw it as well. Guys who did a post on Friday saying, looking forward to Portugal, hopefully my first 1-1. And I know a lot of riders kind of read that and were like, oh, confident. Like, let's just, why don't you just try and win the GP? Like, uh, oh, like, I know. So I know there's, I don't know what you, how you'd quantify it, but there's a bit of like, uh, oh, surrounding guys at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I like, I like that confidence. Just, yeah, well, like, yeah, you can't knock it, but. Um, I like that confidence. However, that's, it's good, it's good, uh, it's good fuel for uh, other riders to kind of say, oh, really? Okay. Although equally interesting that the post has gone. Yeah, that's kind of weird. I definitely, I, I, I don't have a screenshot of it, but I definitely feel like I, saw, I definitely feel like I saw it with my own eyes. Because, Are you um, sure you didn't dream it? Because you don't really dream about anything else apart from motocross. Well, no, there's there were there were riders who said it to me. So there's unless we were all dreaming the same dream, which we are also in sync. But no, um, yeah. So guys, it's fine. All good. He'll win this weekend, I think. Um, and then. Cool. He was on track to being the first rider to win the first four rounds since Everts in 2006, but didn't quite manage it, which goes to show what a, what a hard thing it is to do. Um, Maybe you're so influential that you put that stat out, and that's why guys have put the 1-1. One, one. Um, Maybe no, it's all because did, of did. you. Wait, what do you mean he put the 1-1? One, one? Well, you, you've obviously talked about it, about that stat. So that's why guys have responded with a social media post. I don't think that's the case at all. Because you are so influential. I don't think anyone, I don't think I'm influential at all. I don't think anyone likes me. Um, Bogus, third overall, not a surprise. It would have been a surprise if you'd said this two months ago. Um, not a surprise, though. Is a surprise that he managed to do it two weeks after dislocating his shoulder. But um, we knew he had the pace. We knew he had the potential on the FC 450. Um, and yeah, just a bit of a feel-good story. Interesting though, that, like I don't really—he got very lucky because the shoulder didn't go back in in Argentina for thirty minutes. So normally that is a disaster. Yeah, because I think the common rule is the longer the shoulder takes to go back in, the worse it is, or more damage can be done to ligaments and stuff like that. Um, but he even said like he went riding a week before Portugal, and it was as if nothing had ever happened. And I know a few guys were at the track, and they even said to me like he was riding better than he was before the injury. So. Wow, um, he's looking really good this year. Though we said it in previous, you know, podcasts. Um, you know, he's he's just looking <coughs> so good. 
he just seems a lot more, uh, again, a lot more confident, a bit more calculated, and obviously uh, vegan. Um, I got told vegetarian. Vegetarian. Okay. Well, he's, he said to me vegan, so... Well, I, don't, I did not buy him. I didn't get told that, but that was what someone told me in the paddock. So maybe we should just... Uh, no, it's definitely, should... definitely... Um, oh, it might be vegetarian because he definitely <laughs> said he's cut out meat. But um, he did say vegan. Okay. We'll get on that. We'll, we'll get on that developing story. Um, this is the sort of things you need to be chasing down. Fourth career podium for Bogus. First in MXGP, obviously. So first since uh, 2017. And um, once again, this standing construct team, I need to... I need to Join the team just so I can have this positive influence on my life and have my life improve. Because anyone who goes there is the happiest they've ever been, performs better than they've ever been, and just seems to flourish. And I have no idea what the hell they do at standing, but whatever they do is clearly incredible. It's in the water. It's magic water they give to the riders. I wonder at this point if it's even like mental. Like... If you sign, like, if you sign for standing at the end of this year, you look at you're like, well, everyone else went here and did amazing. So you kind of walk into the team with a bit of a spree in your step, and then like you kind of subconsciously improve, your, like, do better because you feel confident that well, this worked for everyone else. Now, I, I think, like I think it comes from the top down. If you look at all of these teams, um, and, like anybody who talks about Tim, the team owner, is always got great things to say. So for, for you, you have to look at a team from the top to the bottom because that's the influence. The fact that he trusts, um, he can't go to every GP, we know that. Uh, he's very busy with his work. But the fact that he trusts the people that he's employed to be able to deliver that team, you know, that says a lot as well. I think, I think you know, we, we hear a lot about riders being unhappy or not being unhappy in the stuff, but we don't hear about this stuff behind the scenes. But... I think you've hit, you know, onto a really, you know, interesting scenario with teams where, where they, they, some teams have that um, setup where it's just fun. They get the best out of riders. Um, look at look at Koldenhoff on standing. Well, the perfect example is when I walk in. I guess that you can perfectly see it. You can perfectly tell what the team is like based on how I walk into the team. Like, as in, there's some teams that I walk into the awning and I don't even give it a second thought, and I walk in make a joke, speak to everyone, and it's not even, like, on my mind. Which proves that that is a, like, even from the outside, from my perspective, that is a easygoing, relaxed team. Whereas there are other teams where I wouldn't even, like, I look at going in, and I'm like, eh, no, no. Because that team is, even from the outside looking in, a much more stressful, micromanaged, over-the-top experience. So, like, I um, do that with coffee. So um, I, I literally can sense that with coffee. So if I go in and make a coffee, sometimes I don't want to make a coffee because like, people are like, looking at you going, what are you doing using our coffee machine? Well, that's probably because they don't know who you are. It doesn't make any difference. It's just like... I, mean, I don't think it does. I don't think you're, I don't think you're supposed to be using a <laughs> coffee machine if they don't know who you are. Yeah, so um, that's how I measure teams is by coffee. So if you invite me in for a coffee, then I know you've got a really nice aura about you. From Bogus to Koldenoff, um, Koldenoff was fifth overall in Argentina, fourth overall in Portugal. Not that big a difference between the results, but as far as actual performance goes, light years difference. Um, he was very lucky to get fifth overall in Argentina, but very unlucky not to get on the podium in Portugal. He rode a million times better, um, similar to the second moto at Matali, where he was really strong as well. Uh, those three motos, Portugal and then that second moto at Matali, are definitely his... Um, 
definitely his shining examples from the season so far. And yeah, a different offset on triple clamps, different offset on uh, front forks. Uh, has gone back to the crossbar from the fat bar. The crossbar is what he used on standing, actually. Uh, funny enough. So some small changes, but they seem to have worked. And maybe, just maybe, he's found some stability and this is going to become a normal thing, which we all hope because another guy at the front isn't a bad thing. Um, let's not move anything. Let's not change anything. Let's let's wrap that bike up, clean film, and uh, preserve it for Trentino, please. I'll say this. I get a lot of shit for what I say about Koldenov, but I feel like I'm very right. And if he rides bad, I say it. And if he rides good, I say it. Like, I don't... It's like, I, I fully admit that that Portugal ride was the best he's ridden all year and it was a f- brilliant ride and he should have been on the podium. Like, but if he rides bad like Mantova when he went from 4th to 17th, I'll say it. Like, there wasn't, that was terrible. Like, you know, so like, I get a lot of shit, but I feel like all I do is literally just go race to race talking about how he rides and he is the most inconsistent rider in the paddock at the moment. Because um, it can be great one week like we saw and then other weeks it cannot be so great. But I feel like all I do is do my job. So, that's all I've got to say about well, that, that. that. That's exactly where you go there. Is to I, need do your a, job. I need a I need a Forrest Gump drop of him going. That's all I've got to say about that because I could literally um, I could literally. Sum you up actually a lot. watch Forrest Gump? Yeah, I love Forrest Gump. Do you see a lot of similarities? There was actually a point. There was actually a point at Aguada when things were like running. <laughs> well, yeah, there was a point where things were spiraling out, spiraling out of control for me, and I was just gonna just gonna start running. <laughs> Smart <laughs> Forrest Gump. But this is literally, yeah. I could, why didn't I see I was this just, before? I was just, I was talking to a rider and I went, I don't know why, but I feel like, I feel like running. Have you ever seen Rain Man? No. Mm, maybe you should watch that as well. <sighs> Common theme. Yeah, like, um, it's like a box of chocolates. Yeah, yeah. Except my one just has shit in it. <laughs> <laughs> except mine just has empty wrappers. <laughs> And one chocolate that's poisonous, but no one's told me it's poisonous. <laughs> you really do need to seek some therapy. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, good for Cold North. We'll see what this turns into moving forward. Uh, interesting, the Yamaha riders are third, fourth, and fifth in the championship now. So interesting to see what who ends up being the top rider there. I mean, I think we all know it's sewer, but interesting to see if Cold North can sort of Get in there a little bit more. Yeah, see, I'm just, I don't care what happens results-wise. He can finish 15th in Trentino, but if he rides as well as he did in Portugal, that 15th is fine because I just, I don't, I don't think the results matter at this point with Koldenhoff. I just need to see that level of riding from him and then that's fine. If he can ride to this level consistently, that's fine and the results will eventually come. Okay. Thanks for Jonas, that. Um, Jonas wasn't very happy with his ride. Uh, wasn't very happy with his riding, said he didn't feel like he rode well enough to finish fifth overall, so was surprised at that. But as I said to him, he's ridden for 45... Before Argentina, he had ridden for 45 minutes since January the 12th. He got sick coming back from Argentina, so only rode for like an hour that week. So this is fine. Um, But I thought he'd be at 100%, around 100% Latvia. He said it's going to take a little while longer, so maybe Majora sort of time we can begin to talk about Jonas being the real Jonas. So okay. that'll be another that'll be another month's process. Um, Sewer, let me tell. Let's play this game. There was a an unnamed rider who came into the press room between practices with a memory stick and a cracked version of Photoshop on it, offering it around. <laughs> what rider? <laughs> Trivia. What rider do you think? <laughs> <laughs> what? I, why don't like? 
surely there's other things to do between uh, free practice and time practice rather than uh, come and come and hang out with you and uh, see if you want to borrow his uh, cracked version of Photoshop. It's Amazing. Just, just what rider? Hmm. <laughs> really, there's so many options. It could be anyone, really. That is um, a Saturday with sewer. Literally, you need to bring that up. Oh yeah, so there was no Saturdays with Sura in Portugal because on Friday he still wasn't sure if he was going to race because his head was still like a little a little wayward. So he said, I can't do a podcast because it's too much for my brain. And I kind of was like, if a podcast, if a podcast is too much for your brain, like, <laughs> what um, are you doing here? Yeah, but um, I feel like maybe I put pressure on him because I went under his awning and started every... I, I managed to G up the entire team into giving him a round of applause for his 150th GP in a row. Um, so maybe he felt pressure to race at that point. But it was fine. Um, 5-7, sixth overall, completely fine, considering where he was two weeks ago which he doesn't actually know where he was, um, which sums it all up perfectly. I think finishing sixth overall is just fine. Good points on the board. He edged closer to a top three in the championship again. Only lost 15 points to Geyser. So yeah, best case scenario, I think, considering the situation and that he literally didn't know his own name two weeks ago. I, I think it's incredible for... He's not Mr. GP for six years. 2014 Qatar, the streak happened. That's more than six years. That's oh, it's eight. eight. Yeah, eight years. Jesus Christ. And the fact that we've gone through two years of COVID. Like, where everybody's had COVID. Yeah, so it's even easier to miss a GP. Yeah. That is just mental. Was it what he was said he, that? Was that 14? Was he on Suzuki? Yeah. He yeah. said that, he, but that was his first ever MX2 GP. Well, not his first ever, but his first full time, you know, like full time. His, his career started at that point. Okay. He'd done a couple of wild cards before, but they don't count, obviously, because they were like, he just, he just didn't race in the Europe because he didn't go there. Um, uh, he said that 150 is a, in a row is cool, but it's time to start getting wins and championships now and not be the consistent little guy. So that's interesting, I thought. Hmm. Um, I, said to, I said to him... That's that, like, um, that record's like never going to be beaten. I said that we're going to go for 200 in a row, and he just yeah, he, he turned around and went, nope, I want wins and championships. I don't care about that. And I was like, well, no. We, we want 200. Um, what, 200? So if 50, uh, 20 GPs a season, basically, if he got to 200, that means he'd have to go without missing a race until the end of 2024, which actually doesn't sound that bad. <laughs> Sounds doable. He's done it since 2014, so. Yeah. Nah, it's, that, that's never getting broken, ever. As I said to him, look at the, I said to him, I said to him, look around. Look, like, there's so many riders that haven't even made it to round four of this championship. <laughs> like, and you've made it 150. Like, it's well, quite mental. In a way, David Luongo needs, like, 40 Jeremy's. Yeah, well, I, I'm going to work, I want to work out how Jeremy's starts compared to Hurlins, generally. Do you, do you, the other thing as well is, I, I, the, I look at this, is if you're a team and you're looking for a rider and you, you want your team to be at every GP, that's the rider you go for because you're getting way more bang for your buck, hey? Well, you're getting bang for your buck personality-wise as well. Yeah. We, I like Sewer. We know. I like Sewer. Just a little we know. Swiss guy. Just a little Swiss guy. We know Forrest. <laughs> uh, he's like your Jenny. <laughs> no. He's, he's Bubba. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry. Um, that tickled me. Um, Vladrim, Vladrim was um, seventh overall, best GP of the year for him. He was quite. 
he was quite like I said in the I started the interview with him by saying that um I listened to it back last night. I started the interview by saying like another good weekend, and he kind of went. He turned around and went, "Why are you say like you say one you say one good week another good weekend like I've had one before, but this is my first good weekend of the season." I was like, and I, as I was listening to it back, I was like, "Geez, hostile, <laughs> <laughs> very critical." Um, um, using a star engine, I can only talk about the star engine in Vlanderin's bike. But he's happy with that. Weekly communications with Brad at Star um, says he feels like more like a factory rider in the engine department because he can actually make changes. Last year, he finally publicly said it. He basically got given one engine for the year and didn't wasn't allowed to change it. So um, the fact that he's now making weekly changes and bouncing off the back of the testing that Star do with Tomac and stuff is obviously um, quite a big deal for him. That's um, cool. Because there is that direct communication there, so... Star finds something with Tomac, it goes to Vlandering, or it, the, the, the idea goes to Vlandering, like whether he wants to try it or whatever. But still, there are some struggles there as of, because obviously Star have never dealt with a track like Trentino. So Vlandering's having to bridge that gap a little bit just to, you know, make it so that it works everywhere. Yeah. Um, Fernandez was Fernandez, crashed, but actually, actually crashing hard kind of shook some some consistency into him. Who would have thought? Um, Frato ninth, Van Horbeck tenth. Will we see Van Horbeck on a new colour soon? Hmm. Um, what are you saying? What have you heard? Will we see Van Horbeck on a new colour soon? Hmm. Uh, Renault eleventh. Um, I think I don't think it's a surprise. He is a rookie still. This was going to come at some point. There was always going to be rookie bumps in the road. It was all nice and well and good for three rounds, but to expect him to do that for 20 rounds as a rookie just was unrealistic. So there was always going to be a race like Agada where he just didn't quite have it and things didn't quite tick. But he did have a hard crash in Saturday uh, on quali- in qualifying on Saturday, so he was feeling the effects of that on Sunday. Um, but still, he just—he was the highest he was, and even Moto was seventh, so just not quite there, really. Um, Mitch Evans uh, was coming from the back both times, so basically salvaged what he could. Um, thanks to coming from the back both time, both times, he has do passed. Like, do you like to? <laughs> Sorry, but based on coming from the back both times, he has passed. He has passed Jeremy Sewer and become the rider who has made the most passes in 2022 MXGP. 30 passes for Evans across eight motos. Second is Fernandez now with 26. Tixier with 26 is tied for second. And then Sewer, and then Vlandering with 25, and then Sewer with his 24. Sewer made no passes in Akada. So his, his number stayed still at 24. Development story. Is that like a column? In your uh, spreadsheet there that you've got coming from the back? No. Okay. That's that's not even funny. That was terrible. (laughs) Um, Watson, what uh, issues have been identified with the Ben Watson program and they are being addressed in a way that should lead to stronger showings in the coming weeks after Trentino. And Latvia perhaps could be the star of a reborn Ben Watson. But issues have been identified and addressed and are being tackled behind the scenes. Good news. Yes. Um, yeah, that's all I've really got from... Uh, actually, that's not all I've got from MXGP. Okay, tell us more. So, Saturday starts. We're all excited. I pull up the free practice results and... oh. 
eight tenths of a second away from being the fastest rider is Nicolas Lapucci. Oh, what a surprise. I wonder what led to this. He must have been feeling good. Oh, no, no, no. He got off his bloody two-stroke and decided to actually play the game properly. And suddenly, he's second in free practice because he's riding a 450. Because shocker, shocker, someone, clearly no one in that program identified this. Shocker, riding a 454-stroke in a 454-stroke class might be a good idea. Hmm. It's almost as if, just imagine if I was his coach. He could have been doing this all season. Two point scoring rides. Yeah, that's not really backing up my point, but a second in free practice is. Well, and there's only 18 people on the line. I'm <laughs> joking. I was going to say, it was 26. Um, yeah, got anything else on MXGP? Nope. I'm all good. You've exhausted uh, everything. Um, on, yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, uh, quickly, your pick for the title. Some rapid-fire questions. Your pick for the MXGP title. Okay, okay. I didn't realise we were that rapid-fire. Oh, sorry. I thought you said rapid-fire. Tim. Yep. Um, So, Renault and Bogus have both been on the podium for the first time this season. Who will be the next first-time podium finisher? Mm, Fernandez. Oh, okay. Didn't expect that. Um, Third in the championship. Is all very tight at the moment. Who is the third best rider in this class at the moment? Renault. Even still. Even still. Okay, well, that's part one of episode 98 of the MX Vice Show. And that was presented to you by the Fly Racing Formula Helmet. Fly Racing has redefined expectations in safety and performance with the Formula Helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula Helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring Rion technology, conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's advanced impact system, AIS, introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1290 grams, we believe the Formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the Formula helmet has changed the game. And exciting stuff coming from Fly in the not-so-distant future and from the Formula helmet. So, um, yeah, stay tuned for that. And of course, we would like to thank uh, Fly Racing, Liat, Scott Sports, Rentful, Manscaped, Planet Motor Holidays, Props Racing Parts, for Supercross Video Pass, MXGP TV, Even Strokes, Asterix Knee Braces, and Armour Nutrition. That's part one. We'll be back in, with part two in five minutes. So we'll see you then. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, or the all-new 7.5 helmet that comes with free Liat bulletproof velocity goggles, Liat has you covered. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear on www.liat.com. Prox Racing Parts supply genuine replacement products which meet or even exceed OEM quality. All parts are manufactured to highest quality standard at state-of-the-art manufacturing facilities around the world. Hence why everything that Prox Racing Parts offer exceeds the high-level requirements that all motocross riders require. Many of Prox's parts are actually made by the same suppliers to the OEMs. Head to pro-x.com now to learn more. Evenstrokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. 
built by motocross enthusiasts, Evenstrokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at Evenstrokes.com. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. Fly Racing has redefined expectations in safety and performance with the Formula Helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula Helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring Rayon technology, Conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's Advanced Impact System, AIS, introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1,290 grams, we believe the formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the Formula Helmet has changed the game. The MX Vice Show. Welcome back to episode 98 of the MX Vice Show podcast. Thank you to Fly Racing, Liat, Scott Sports, Rentful, Manscaped, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, for Supercross Video Pass, MXGP TV, Even Strokes, Asterix, Knee Braces, and Armour Nutrition for the support of the MX Vice Show. This is part two. And that is presented by our successful friends at Scott Sports, who swept both MXGP and MX2 with Jorge Prado and Tom Viao at the weekend. Scott Sports, winning races and GPs at the very highest level every single week. The prospect goggle from Scott Sports is the culmination of over 50 years of experience producing goggles for the off-road and MX market. Used by an ever-growing list of champions, the prospect goggle has everything you need to ensure your vision is the best that it can be. With perfected features such as the no-sweat face foam and maximum field of vision, the Scott Lens Lock System, articulating outriggers and more, the super stylish Prospect Goggle has been engineered to defend your vision, no matter how extreme the conditions get. When the mud starts spraying, simply install the 50mm works film system and have an instant advantage over the competition. The Prospect is available with standard light-sensitive and now the new amplifier lens options. Amplifier-injected lenses provide improved definition and optical clarity, allowing you to see contours and transitions in the dirt like never before. Get yours now at your local dealer or online at scott-sports.com. So, James. So, Lewis. You're irritating me a little bit. Oh, no. What have I done? Well... You see, like you keep rambling on on Twitter about how the MX2 class is incredible, and like all I see, I'm stood in the side of the track watching MX2, and then I refresh my phone and I just see a tweet from James Burfield going, "This MX2 class is amazing." And I'm like looking around, like, "Is am I retarded? Like, is this, am I at the right place?" Like, yeah, this- yeah, you are. You are. Um, I think we're all uh, can all attest to that, and everybody who knows you. Well, I um, just tucked into my box of chocolates. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Forrest. Uh, MX2 is great. What's what's what 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 do you not like? No, about I mean MX2? it is great, but I don't know. Your tweets make it sound like it's the most incredible championship ever. Well, you're obviously not watching the same race as me. I mean, let's talk about the rise of Harrop. Who called this on a podcast last year? Who was driving this last year? Mm-mm-mm. Let's go back to Matterley. I had a little bit of information. Yeah. Okay, that's great. Someone told you that Harrop was riding great. Before that, before he'd ever ridden great, last year on a podcast during all the GPs in the second half of the season, I was the one sat here saying that Harrop is coming. Harrop is going to be good. Harrop is on his way now. Then Harrop's going to be better than can, anyone realises. Can I just can I just give you a little, little old adage, what somebody said to me? If you throw enough shit at something... Some of it will stick, and that is you with predictions. You please name something. Please, say, please name something I've done that hasn't stuck. 
I'm just saying, every, like literally, if you throw enough shit, that's like I could literally in a hundred episodes of the podcast show, one of them's going to come right. But it hasn't, though, James, has it? No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm still here trying. (laughs) No, the MX2 class is exciting. I think it's just exciting because you're starting to see, yes, skirts and yes, Vial, but you're starting to see, you know, as you say, chinks in the armor um, with Vial. Are you? Uh, I think so, yeah. I think he's coming through. I mean, there's a a lot of... uh, Damage, you know, like little crashes and stuff like that. But so, so Vial, um, previous talking, previous years, Lewis, he's literally just left everybody. So talking to Vial and Dirk about Vial, um, I think Vial's confidence was a bit knocked coming into the season, and I think he's building up from that right now. Like proof of that was when I when I said to him in my interview that you didn't listen to because you just refuse to listen to anything that I do because you really don't care about motocross or me as a person. Um, <laughs> Um, um, that escalated um, so I said to Vial like Tom Vial doesn't normally crash but Tom Vial this year is crashing a lot so like why and he said I don't, I've only crashed once and I was like what what <laughs> like I was very confused and he was like yeah I've only crashed once in the races and that was at Mantova the rest don't count because they're not in the races and I was like hmm Okay. Hmm. But then he said, then he said, I'm trying to not think about the crashes and I'm trying to forget those happened and trying to move forward and get some consistency back. So like, clearly he's almost like blocking them out. Yeah. And me saying that, he just, his immediate deflection was like blocking them out and acting like they didn't happen because he's trying to build his confidence back up, which interesting, I thought, a little psychoanalysis from Lou there. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, Dirk confirmed the same, said he's just trying to build his confidence up. Well, obviously, a new bike. Uh, he had an even shorter off-season than everyone else because he obviously uh, in- injured his ankle at the last round, or second to last round. Um, so, yeah, he's just building himself back up. Dirk reckons he needs another 5 to 8% to be the very best Tom Vial, and you're starting to see little parts of the old Tom Vial come back, and, he, and um, Dirk reckons he's getting there, and he'll be there soon. And I'll say this, little... Everyone who wants to shit on Tom Vial and say he's not like really doing what he's expected to do, he's won more GPs than anyone else in MX2 now. <laughs> so we're all high on Gertz, but Vial's actually won more races or more GPs. So that's a weird uh, dynamic a little bit. Yeah, I, everyone- I, I don't think everybody's high on somebody. I just think that um, it's just, he literally, Tom's come from EMX 250, blitzed MX2, uh, became world champion. Like his ascent has been ridiculous. So the, the 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 fact of the matter is, was it three years ago he's in the MX250? Yeah, because I was talking to Harrop in the interview that you didn't listen to because you don't care about motocross or me as a person. I and listened I, to David Luongo interview yeah, and then sent me constructive Alter. criticism. <laughs> <laughs> That's my job. You're not allowed to. You're not allowed to criticize unless you actually listen to. Because literally, you. That's what, <laughs> You're not allowed to criticise unless you actually like regularly listen to stuff and regularly keep tabs. Um, so talking to Harrop, I said to him, like, was it like when you were sat behind Tom Viao and like gaining on him and blah blah blah? Were, were you like a bit psyched out by the number twenty eight on the jersey? And Harrop was like, well, no, I was beating him three years ago. And I was like, you know what? That's true. Yeah. <laughs> like a lot of these riders in this class were actually pegged to be a lot... Like, Harrop was pegged to be way better than Vial. Uh, Gertz, the same. Uh, DeWolf was kind of a different era a little bit. Um, but well, remember when we were talking about Harrop on um, Anti's team? 
Well, like, yeah, well, this is what I mean. Like, Muse even. Muse was, if you if you go back three years ago and ask, or maybe not three years ago, no, it, Muse, it, is, it, Muse was well, kind of, like, established at that point. Yeah, but think of the whole Prado, Muse, Natsuki thing. Those guys on 125s were literally taking chunks out of each other. Yeah, but my point is, if you go back five years ago and say and ask everyone in that paddock who's going to be better, Tom Vial or Comrade Muse, everyone would be like, Tom Vial? What? Why are you saying him? Like, yeah. So a um, bit of a weird dynamic with that as well. Uh, but no, uh, Vial, I think Vial's going to get there. I think he's going to get there. Um, I think he's still going to win this championship. I do believe that. And I'm not actually that, I'm not even going to wave from that. Yeah, you, you, you think he's going to, you, you think he's going to take the title from Gertz? Well, Gertz doesn't have a title at the moment, so he can't take well, it from Gertz. Uh, well, we were talking about him as, I was talking about him as odds on favourite this year. He's looking really good. Mm. But you're, you're, I think Vial's going to get it done. Okay, I like this. This is what this is. This is why this championship is interesting. I think MX2 is is last year's MXGP because I mean I don't. Let's not go that far. I don't know. There's 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 some really. I mean, what a story it would be if if somebody like um, Horgmo or Harrop puts a run together. You know, it's what they, puts a run together like what? Well, look at if you if you look at the riders at the moment, you've got. You've got Kaido Wolf, who's okay. He's, he's back in the points, but not really that much. You've so you've got you've got Kaido Wolf, you've got uh, Lagenfelder, you've got Harrop, you've got Vial, you've got Gertz. I I still think this championship is wide open. Um, yeah, I'm not saying the MX2 class is bad. I just feel like you're a bit over the top with your with your love for it. Nah, nah, not at all. I tell you one guy. I know that you like to go in order, but I tell you that one guy who. Um, is slowly starting to um, get to where we expect him is, is Sidow. Sidow. Oh, another one of my little, um, my little, my little gems. Two years ago, when he went down to EMX 250, I sat on this podcast saying that he no way he should be back in EMX 250 because he's too good for that. And now we're seeing it. Mm-hmm. Just, he's, he's had a obviously he was on the same Diga team wasn't he as Lagenfelder and obviously Lagenfelder has obviously gone on to they, they both did have injuries in that in that opening year didn't they right yeah, at the they end both I think were, yeah. they both were out yeah but um, yeah it's good to see both talents sort of um, you know coming through I, I just think the MX2 class is is, is a quite a lot of fun at the moment with um, the riders that are in there well I'm glad you're having fun um, yeah Harrop uh, I'm not surprised by Harrop very impressive in the first moto, really had the measure of Vial. And also, you, if you look at Vial and Harrop's times compared to the rest of the field, they were light years apart. So Harrop really proved that he has that top-tier speed. Um, Harrop wins a GP this year, no doubt in my mind. Oh, 100%. I just hope he can stay healthy because he has had a lot of injuries in his career and a lot of knocks. And I feel like now, if he can build some momentum with these results, then it will be something. And I think it'd be catastrophic if he gets injured again and like loses this, this toe he's got at the moment. Um, yeah. yeah, there's uh, there's little bits and pieces that he's put together behind um, with his program. Um, you know, Jordy, uh, his mechanic was kind of just talking me through it, and it's just that he seems to have found a real good balance now with with everything. So um, I think he's just going to get stronger throughout the year. Yeah, well, um, obviously I mentioned the uh, training situation or the practice bike situation on the last podcast, so that'll be an improvement when that gets figured out. Um, 
Dewolf, um, the team were actually really happy with Dewolf because it was up in the air whether he was going to ride. He did hit his head in Argentina. And in many, in some ways, they felt he actually rode better in Portugal than he did when he was firing on all cylinders at Mantova and Matali because he was much more calculated, much more smart, much more letting things come to him, much more mature, I guess, on a bike. So not, fourth is a great result and he got some great points with 35 points, almost on a podium. But I think the most encouraging thing for everyone under the Nistan Husqvarna factory racing awning was the fact that he actually can learn a lot from what how he handled the situation. And it, that will make him a better rider even when he's back to 100%. The passes he did make, uh, I think it was uh, in race one, was it three or four passes? He, oh, he made... I, actually, I don't have that. I don't have that number for you. Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, I thought you were a stat guy. I only do that for MXGP. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, but the, the way that he came through in, in he he was able to chase down Adamo and I think it was um, Muse who was running in third at the time was, uh, yeah, he just picked him off really nicely. Just took his, took his time really and looked look for the opening and, and took it. So I, yeah, I can, I can completely understand where they're coming from. It was, it was not kind of, you know, all out. It was kind of just calculated passes. It was nice. Hogmo, um, Hogmo will get there. He's just taking his lumps at the moment. You never see a rider take a step up in speed and then immediately find consistency. There's always a bit of a transition period where they take their knocks, and uh, that's what Hogmo is kind of doing at the moment. But very he's encouraging. Gonna, he's going to have a strong second half of the season. He's just looking better and better every week. Fastest in every time session. Um, it's now been 2,011 days since Kawasaki won a MX2 GP. Do- um, you have to remember that uh, Horkmo only arrived um, with Deruver in, what, December? Yeah, November, December. He's not had a lot of time to work with him. So imagine what he could have done if he'd, if he'd been on that team for like the last year. Um, Scary. Guadagnini was uh, frustrated because he felt like he was fast enough to win or definitely be on the podium. So he really felt like he let one slip away. Um, and equally, Simon Lagenfelder, oh my God, the guy needs a hug. Like, Jesus, his body is taking a beating at the moment. Did you see his thumb? Yeah, that didn't look, didn't look good at all. Yeah, no, well, he, that happened in the qualifying race, so he raced with it on Sunday. Um, but yeah, he has unbelievable. a huge pain threshold. Yeah, for it's a, unbelievable. For a young kid, a huge pain threshold because unbelievable what he's, he's had to deal with this year. Um. And like Corgmo, Isaac Gifting will be on the overall podium for the first time here soon. 11-11 is a great result considering he was racing 10 days after collarbone surgery. But actually, that should have been something like 4-6-6-4-5-5 because he was, his speed and starts were really, really impressive. So I'm excited to see what Gifting is going to do as he, um, as he returns to kind of full fitness here. Although yeah. maybe he doesn't need to be at full fitness because he was running fourth quite comfortably in the second moto, so before a crash. Um, so that, that yeah. was an impressive ride. I mean, he must have been in a hell of a lot of pain, um, and what he's been through the last couple of weeks to be able to go out and do that is fantastic. Yeah, I'm. I, I'm not going to lie. Like last year or before this year, I wasn't really high on gifting. Like I didn't really rate him, but this year he's really like kind of won me over. Like I really believe in him now. Really? Um, what? What? What are you really into? Well, it's just like we were there at Lommel and we seen, you know, two years, was it two years ago when he, um, done, yeah, finished in right? the moto, but yeah, yeah brilliant. Yeah, one, there was glimpses. One good there was, result doesn't make, one good ingredient doesn't it make the wasn't dish. wasn't just one good result. He had a couple of, he had like two or three really good results yeah, in the end of that year. I don't look at the results, do I? I look at, I look at what I see. 
I want to see. I, I look at my, I look at my numbers. I look at what I see <laughs> on the at, track. Look at your spreadsheet. I don't look at the. I don't necessarily go off of the results. So like when I come in from behind. But I've seen like from what I've seen this year, I really think he's going to be quite good here. Surely, um, he'll be like in the Harrop Hawkmo category. I think like that's those. He'll be with those guys, as in breaking into the podium and showing flashes and all of that good stuff. One one rider I want to talk to you about. Oh, I was hoping to move on. No, you're not moving on. Uh, Adamo. I mean, he is literally just putting in good, consistent rides. When are you going to start giving him some some kudos? I need to see something. He's fifth in the championship. I'm not sure I even noticed him in Agatha at any point. Literally, this is the kid who you were trying to interview at EMX 150 in Tushintao, who didn't speak any English, and you were just like, who is this guy? And now he's fifth in the MX2 championship. Well, that was the year when he was saying, see you in Aguada for every race, and I'm happy to say that we did see him in Aguada. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The kid's doing well. He's doing well. I don't know what you want from me. Do you want me to like... More. I want more. Have you got an interview with him yet? No. What have you got to do? Get fourth in the World Championship to get an interview with you? Hey, I'm, I'm doing well this year with interviewing people who I've never interviewed before, so you can back off with that. Well, get Adam and I'll be happy. Because that's what pisses me off about people as well, because every other year people go, oh, Lewis interviews the same people. This year, I've interviewed literally the most random people ever, and crickets. Crickets. Adamo. That's what we're waiting for. Adamo. You finally got Ferrato after five years. Get Adamo. All right. Sado did Sado. Who did I do in all? Did I do in Matley for the first time ever? I can't remember, but anyway. Fan questions? Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve year after year. The 2022 gear is now available worldwide and there are many lines for you to consider. The 3.5 variety kit and affordable combo, the 4.5 jersey and pants, the 4.5 enduro jersey and pants, and the 5.5 jersey and pants. There is so much to consider. There is an advanced range of moto helmets for 2022 too, including the 9.5 carbon, 8.5 composite, 7.5 and 3.5. The Liat helmets are available in a broad range of striking colours to suit all tastes. The 9.5, 8.5 and 7.5 helmets also come with a free pair of bulletproof velocity goggles. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear on liat.com. Many, many questions this week. I kind of wish I'd screened them beforehand. Because... <laughs> oh, why? No, because there's so many, but it's going like, to be a lot to get through here. Um... Just pulling them up now. Right. Let's see what we've got here. Uh, Just go for them. Just go for them. Okay. Uh, at YZF Tommy, is the entry fee the, prob- the answer to MX2 EMX problems? Should we leave this and get into the Luongo interview after the break? Get let's into do it. That. Yeah, okay, let's do it. Yeah. Uh, how... Uh, 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 uh. So what we can have question. We can have MX voice questions and then MX voice questions, which were sent around David Longo. Well, no, nothing. No, no, we'll just talk about David Longo. Okay, like we'll just talk about that because we could if we if we dive into that now, then we could um have no more questions. We, no, like if we dive into that now, then we could be here for a while, like going over that. So let's just stick to the let's stick to the the racing. Um, okay. Speaking yeah, of sticking to the racing, let's not mix things up. <laughs> Aston one no, I just feel like we'll be here for a while answering that question. Like that's a loaded question, so let's leave let's save that. Um 
Aston 139, speaking of sticking to the racing. James, how's the Air Max collection coming on? Oh, awesome. I haven't bought any uh, recently. Actually, I did get a pair recently. Um, yeah, I've got a new white pair. Um, really, really cool. Um, but I've been sidetracked with Harachis. I'm wearing Harachis at the moment. So I've managed to get my, uh, a hold of quite a few limited edition Harachis this year. So um, my Air Max, uh, Air Max 90s of only been I've only been putting about one a month in so far but Harachis have uh, yeah I think we're up to about 80 pairs now brilliant um, at PWAS0706 if JH84 races the AMA Nationals this summer will you come back to the United States um core cool. you're gonna have to, everyone's gonna have to aren't they I think we're all going aren't we if this happens then Core. Cool. If this happens, <laughs> that's all I've got to say. Core. Cool. Yeah. Um, and on the same topic, the quack rain, the quack rain, um, percentage chance of hurlings doing AMA instead of MXGP. I would, so, so Dirk Grubel kind of said it was 50 50, and I've heard from people it's 50 50, but I would go more like 65 70 at the moment. I, I would, think there's more, I, I think there's it. more chance he does outdoors than MXGP at this point in time. Yeah, I'll go 90-10. Okay. I'd love to know where your insights come from. Lots. <laughs> Just like you're throwing a number out there for no reason. No, I, I, I'm, I, I think he's, he's there. I, I, um, yeah, like I say, I would put, that's definitely where I'm leaning. Like, every, people are like, oh, this rumour again. But every other year, like, we've never really talked about it because it's so obviously not going to happen. And like, KTM haven't even entertained it because it's so obviously not going to happen. It's just been a rumour that someone started. But the fact that, like, Dirk even said nothing's been decided yet proves that this is actually very much on the table, which makes it any different to any other year. Um, it's, it's a good time for him to go, because if he goes there and gets beat by a few riders, he's coming back from injury. So the, the pressure's off. So it, it, and he's got nothing to gain by doing another year in half a year in MXGP. What's he got to gain? Well, next GP win will be his 100th. Yeah, we can do that next year. Well, well, he could do both. He could do AMA Nationals and then fit in a GP, get his 100th. Imagine that. Imagine yeah. if he wins the AMA National Championship and also does a wildcard GP and gets his 100th GP win. Yeah. Um, at Harry underscore P underscore Nuss underscore... How will Lewis handle the running next to Hurlings interviews in Californian heat? Oh, quite well. <laughs> just yes. imagine how happy Lewis would be in that situation. Yeah. Like literally just picking up Lewis from his MXGP situation and dropping him into America with the same rider, the same interview, the same, like, what? Just. I wonder just, if all the Americans uh, that are listening to this and when you go to America, are all going to start calling you Forrest. I don't know. Because you'll be running alongside I just find you. I just find you're being very negative. I'm not being negative. At Brad Lewis 91, any news on Caroli racing in America? I heard that he got asked to do the full season, but said he didn't want to. So now it's likely he might do the first four rounds, is what I heard. But he got asked to do the full season and said he didn't want to, is what I got told. Mm. Um, if Hurlings does the outdoors, how do you both see him doing? Asked Brad Myers 22. Um, it's basically Hurlings versus Tomac. I don't think anyone else is on that level. I think if a Hurlings doesn't go, I think Tomac's going to run away with that championship. Yeah. So in, so in, the, interest of, in the interest of good America on a good championship, it would be nice to see Hurlings there. Because, um, yeah, because it looks like some riders aren't going to do it. And 
uh, other things. Um, so, <laughs> what's the other things, Lewis? <laughs> um, yeah, I should, so Hurlings and Tomac will be the top two either way. Uh, Marvin will be there. No, he won't. He's on a Supercross-only contract. Oh, damn it. You literally, you literally had one shot there. There was like 40 riders you could have named. I thought that was next year. I thought he was offered a Supercross-only next year. There was, a, there was 38 other riders you could have named to nail that. And you had to pick one that definitely 100% is in his contract that he would not be there. Oh, poor Marvin. Um, I don't know. I don't want to say he's going to win because then people will go, ooh, classic European. I think Tomac's going to be very hard to beat because Tomac is better than ever. Yeah, he and I honestly don't know how you and you don't. But then the good thing for Hurlings would be the fact that her, that Tomac isn't with Kawasaki, so Tomac's going to have some sort of learning thing to work through with. Like he'll be the first time he's in the Yamaha at X track, whereas if he was still with Kawasaki, he'd go to X track and know what would work there. So it's still so Tomac's still going to have some sort of transition. Nothing like Hurlings would have, but some sort of learning thing there. What would a bike um, difference be between um, the US KTM and uh, obviously the MXGP KTM? Because different they, frame. Yeah, so that, he's going to be able to it there. Yeah, different frame, different fuel. Um, that's the main thing. Uh, Lovebot said, best European GPs to attend? Mm, Lommel, I love Lommel. Uh, yeah, but I don't think it's is it really that good because can you really see anything? Get a skybox. Okay. Cool. How the other half live? Um, yeah, you got a point. Um, I, d- I did like Valkensvard, if that ever comes back. Um, Trentino's good. Trentino has everything. Trentino's awesome. Because you, um, can, you, you can go there for a little bit of a holiday beforehand as well. Stay at Lake Garda, which is lovely. And, if, you uh, want, if you want a true traditional GP experience from Ernay or St. John, oh. yeah true traditional GP experiences, but there's not much else going on around the tracks as far as like food, hotels or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, so, so if, if you put a mall uh, next to both of those tracks, Lewis would just be, oh. Can you imagine a mall and a hotel, Lewis, right next to both those tracks? No, it's true what element. I'm saying. Like, if, if you're going to, like, people, if people are going to pay their money to go to a GP, then they're going to, like, they're they going to want to know. No, they're going to, like, they'll be, like, if they're going to be looking for a hotel and, like, want, like, they're going to, because obviously we leave the track at, like, 1 a.m., but they're going to leave the track at, like, 5 p.m. So they're going to want to go out for dinner and stuff. But at those places, it's quite difficult to do. So that's what I'm saying. Just giving people a heads up. Um, Sweden's good. I like Sweden. Udvalis, uh, it's, it's a weird old place though because it's like literally in a quarry. So you like parking your car in a quarry. Yeah, but it's very unique. I don't think the fans park there either, James. Cool, you're really disconnected from the people, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> you're such a dick. Really uh, just disconnected from the people. I, I think Latvia is quite cool. Yeah, um, I love Latvia. I love Latvia. Riga's really nice, but the only problem is, is like there's nowhere to stay. You have to stay in Riga, and it's a 45 minute journey in five yeah, different again, speed James, The fans aren't going to care about that because they're not they're not leaving the, for the track at 6 a.m. and they're not going back to the, for, to the hotel. But at yeah, 1 if you get a chance, Latvia's a, a real good place to go. Cool. Really need to ground you, don't we? Really need to somehow find you. Like maybe, maybe next GP you go to, I'll take your pass off you, and I'll just leave you to fend for yourself with the people, and you can kind of reconnect with. Be fine. I just need av- what that average Joe has to go through. I just need coffee. Well, that's exactly that's the average Joe has to queue for that. But to be honest, you're quite close to the average Joe because no one knows who you are, who you are exactly. So you really are just the average Joe who people are confused by. Um, I just introduced myself as Lewis Henkian Lois. 
Haven't seen Hank Young Lewis Ooh. in a while. Good to have him back. Yeah. Probably not. Probably probably stopped hey, coming Dutch with Lewis. questions. Yeah, probably stopped coming with questions because every single time his question got asked, you just berated him. I didn't berate Which, uh, him. I said that it's you on your uh, on your dodgy account. Yeah. How many? Um, how many quite disappointing you for got? him. You've got nineteen accounts now, haven't you? What all like your Twitter? Anyway, Hank and Lois, do you think that Gertz ride? Do you think that Gertz is riding this more aggressive this year than the last couple of seasons? More aggressive. I think that Gertz riding more aggressive. I'd say less aggressive because he's not making as many mistakes. Yeah, but then also he has got a bit more intensity about him, maybe. But then I don't know. I'd say less aggressive though, just because of the mistakes, lack of mistakes. Uh, something's changed. I don't know. I, I don't know what it is. If um. I don't know. <laughs> when I think of Gertz now, I just think of his social media. Calvin Vlandering said, have you seen my vlogs yet? The <laughs> on YouTube. Please like and subscribe. <laughs> I love that. He's, he loves his vlogs. Yeah, I if told him I hadn't watched any at the weekend and he was quite angry. Uh, I have, Calvin. I've watched... Have you uh, actually? Yeah. So why the hell are you watching his vlogs but not actually listening to any MX Vice interviews or something that might make you better on this podcast? Because I like Calvin, I don't like you. That's fair enough. Um, uh, 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 Braden underscore 212, does Beniston need to worry about Elzinger? No, I don't think so, because Gertz will be on a 450 soon enough, so that the, the Yamaha... The Yamaha ladder will kind of sort itself out as normal. When do you reckon he's going to step up, Lewis? If he well, wins the World Gertz, Championship this year, do you think he goes 450? Well, his next year would be his last year in MX2, no matter what. Um, it's likely that Koldenoff's seat will be free at the end of the year. I asked Yamaha what his contract situation was, and I said they'll get back to me. So <laughs> I'm waiting for that. Well, we'll get back to you at the end of the year. Um, uh, Kevin C430, when a rider is injured, is he still paid? If so, is it a reduced rate? Well, I've actually got a contract in front of me. They do. They do get a reduced rate. Hold on. I've got a contract in front of me. Apart from Jeremy, Jeremy's uh, contract, which is, uh, it doesn't change because he's always there. I'm not going to say whose contract this is. Hold on. Where is it? I was reading it yesterday. Lewis is now an agent. So if there's any riders out there that are requiring any help, uh, guidance, line choice, uh, Lewis is it. your guy. Oh, I can't. Um, fi- I can't find it. But basically, it was something roughly like there was different. There was different um, tiers for like X amount of like there was four tiers of like hundred percent of the races, hundred percent of the money. X amount of the races, seventy five percent of the money. X amount of races, fifty percent of the money. X amount of races, twenty five percent of the money. That was basically how it was laid out. Okay. Um. Yeah. Um. Kelly Evans, eighteen. Can we expect to see the new and improved Lewis continue to grow and develop? Ah, Kelly Evans. Hear that? The new and improved Lewis. Wow. I tell you what, that, that must mean that you have started to uh, grow as a person, Lewis. Oh, no, yeah, I think it says that exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, actually, that's like, the, that's the no bullshit version. So, um, well, kudos to you, Lewis. Thank kudos you. to you. Trying my best. Look at you growing as a person. Trying my best. Although... <sighs> Can we expect to see the new and improved Lewis? That makes me wonder what people thought of me before. Oh, you're an absolute. <laughs> <laughs> Ask Coldenoff. I just me. I'm going to talk to Coldenoff here soon and tell him what I said in this podcast. Ask like, Gertz's social media manager. 
we're fine. I've actually, I'm, I'm basically pulling this, I'm basically like a puppet, a puppet master with that now. Um, I could go on. Aston139, any news on this rumoured new Suzuki? Yeah, but you know what, James? You could go on because I'm the only person who's actually talking about the championship in a in a actual, like, real way. I could just copy press releases if everyone wants. I could just copy press releases. <laughs> I knew I could find that button. Like, if, if that's what people want, I'll just receive emails, press copy and paste and stick my feet up. And another thing, the people who messaged me after the David Luongo interview and said, oh, this is lazy journalism. Why haven't you typed it up? It was an hour. It was an hour. Do you know how long it would take to type up? It was a Friday night at a GP. Do you want to know how long it would take me to type up an hour interview? Fucking it would take lazy. A day, at least. A full solid day of work. And I ain't got that on a Friday night because the GP's coming up. So I thought I'd upload it as a podcast so that people can listen to it straight away. And you know what? That's the way the world's going. So do you know what? Uh, I'll spring to your defense there because um, I think rather than reading something which can be altered, you're actually hearing it what from are you David, talking about, uh, David's mouth. Yeah, exactly. So no one even knows what he sounds like. Yeah, but not only do you not know what he sounds like, but you can alter anything. Yeah, and you can tell, and you can hear him. You can hear him have a little laugh. You can hear him. You can hear when he feels a bit uneasy. You can feel when he. You can hear when he feels passionate about something. It's like that Prado bit I played a minute ago. The laugh. I feel like the laugh you heard actually adds a lot to that interview. The laugh, like whereas if it was written, you wouldn't know that. No. What would you do, put in brackets? I'm just laugh. trying my best. I'm just trying my best. That's all I'm doing. I'm just trying my best. I really am. Lewis, I... you are doing well. well don't... You don't listen to anything I do. <laughs> listen to... I listened to Luongo podcast an hour yeah, and then, yesterday. And then I immediately to it. gave me, and then immediately gave me criticism. <laughs> That's my job. That's what I'm here to do. You're not qualified to give me criticism. <laughs> um, I, one thing I will say is that. Uh, you know, you are quite right. There isn't too much. Like in America, there's a whole host of people who have opinions and stuff like that. But in in, in Europe, uh, for the World Championship, we're kind of running on low. On there aren't many. There aren't as many people offering up opinions, which means that my opinions shine in no, a worse shout light. Louder, shout louder. Yeah, well, they shine, they're put in a worse light because it's like, well, why is Lewis doing this? It's like, well, Lewis is just doing his job. Anyway. Aston 139, any news on this rumored new Suzuki? I don't know. I don't know. I'm so bored of, like, Suzuki at this point. I, I actually thought they were, they were gone. Are they well, there, there are those rumors out there, but then it was meant to be this year. So, and yeah. also, if there, is, if there really was a new bike coming next year, I'm pretty sure you would have heard about someone riding it. So yeah. I'm going to say no. No. Every, everyone's opinion is that when it goes electric, that's when Suzuki will we'll, come back. We'll see Triumph before we see Suzuki. Oh yeah, the triumph is the triumph is being ridden and is competitive apparently. Um, Cal Crossland twenty six. Talk us through your typical day at a GP. Um, do, do, I, do you want? Should I do this or does no one care? Yeah, do it. We need to know. We need to know what you can write out of that interview. Um, well, I get shouted at for like seventy five percent of the day. If it's a case like Portugal, I have to spend four hours trying to not be punched because there's someone walking around telling people they're going to knock me out. So that took up a lot of the time. So that was that was a that was a chunk of my day. That was amazing. Um, uh, I'd like to say that um, usually I'm at the GPS um, going into the meetings and uh, being shouted at. Uh, on no, you haven't been shouted behalf. at a GP in ever. Like, no, that was a British championship. You've never been shouted at on my behalf at a GP. Ever. 
Oh, you, you want money for that one, do you? Money for what? No, I just don't know where that's come from. Quid and I can give you one example straight away now. Well, no, don't give an example because people probably don't need, shouldn't know. Bulgaria, Honda. Oh, that was four years ago. And you was, just said was, ever. You said, said yeah. ever. All right, that was four years ago. Right, are um, you wrong? And that was actually masterful by myself. Are you wrong? Okay, one time you got pulled into a meeting because I did something bad. Anyway, <laughs> I can get more. <laughs> um, talk us through your typical day at GP. Um, basically, uh, sun, well, sun, I'll, I'll go through Sunday quickly. Um, get to the track at like 8 a.m. Um, immediately start pre-writing some of my press releases because I have so many press releases to write that if I don't pre-write them, then I would not get them done. So I start writing like the introductions um, and all of that sort of stuff. Start... Um, um, and then I and then I normally go for a little wander before warm up and talk to riders about like qualifying and stuff. Talk to some teams, show my face because I feel like it's important to show my face is what I've learned. Um, and then after that, the racing starts and it's basically balls to the wall typing until one a.m. That's kind of the worst explanation ever, but <laughs> yeah, it's a shit explanation. <laughs> no, I don't know what I do. I, I either t- I'm either typing or I just wander talking to people. Sometimes riders will come in the press room, so I talk to them. Sometimes I'll just want like on Friday. I'll tell you what my new tradition. I'll tell you this. Seeing as I'm seeing as I've dealt with a lot of shit so far this year, <laughs> um, my new my new tradition is that on Friday at a GP, I, I leave my phone in the press room and I go and walk the track by myself, and it's actually quite fun. I really enjoy it because I, I don't really like I've never properly looked at these tracks like some parts like a grader. I've never been over to the waves because I don't have a need to. So now on a Friday at a GP, I just take an hour and I go and walk the track. You walk the track on your own. Yeah. I just think, and, then, and it actually helps because I think at, like I walk the track and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's good. And then while I'm walking the track, I'm thinking about like stories and that. And I'm like, okay, I need to talk to that person. It, it helps me clear my head. Um, great. Uh, interestingly, uh, three years ago, Lewis used to go, oh, you just go to motocross and all you do is talk to people. Yeah, now that's all I do. <laughs> yeah. Funny, isn't it? Funny. <laughs> yeah, that's all I do, pretty much. No, no, I do a lot of type. I do a lot of work at a GP. Sure. I work my ass off. Mm-hmm. Um, two seconds, I'm just going to pull up the Twitter questions. Yeah. If you want to talk about something else while I do that. Because there's yeah. been a lot of interaction on MXY's Twitter lately. The, um, uh, at Chris United 93 Okay, we'll talk. Prick. <laughs> <laughs> With Hawkmo doing so well out of the initial racing... Right, With Hawkmo doing so well out of the initial races, does FNH become the factory Cowie team, or are they better off being independent so they can pick their own lineups? They are... The Kawasaki FNH arrangement is weird because they are more in bed than just a satellite team. Like, FNH aren't like Hitachi, for instance. Like, FNH to Kawa- is more to Kawasaki than what Hitachi is to KTM. So they are more in bed together. And it is like, their team name is Kawasaki Racing Team, like the factory. Like, it, where, what, like FNH, Kawasaki, Emic. MX2 racing team or something like that. So they are more in bed. But, so I don't think, I think it's fine. I think FNH is fine as it is. I don't think there needs to be that. But they are definitely a solid representation for a Kawasaki. Um, at, at, at Anderson Podcast, if Geyser wins his fourth 450 championship, where do you start viewing him all time? He could have more 450 championships than Hurlings when it clearly should have been his era of dominance. Thoughts, James? I think what I said at the um, start of the show, when I said that he doesn't get the um, uh, the credit, which I believe he's due, because if he does go on and win a fourth um, world championship, it just goes to cement his place 
in history when looking back and you, you see his name pop up, the guy's been super consistent and he's taken his opportunities and chances and even rode and beat the best in the world. Uh, at a time when uh, I think as I listened to Carmichael on Supercross and he, he just said like that the guys nowadays is, is so much more like the competition, the level of riders, everything else is, is just on a different level. And I think if you're winning a world championship now, then you really are at the top of, of the game because the bikes are so fast, the tracks are so technical, the, the error of margin is so small. So yeah, I think I think we will not we because I, I know there's some people who are super passionate about Tim, but I think majority of people are you know swept up with with kind of a he's a bit of a dungeon. Yeah, he's a bit of a dun like you don't when Dungey. I feel like Dungey got more appreciated towards the end of his career, and also now he's retired. I feel like that will be similar to Tim because agreed. When, when Tim's retired, we'll then be talking about the next generation on this podcast, and we'll be referencing like, oh, the last rider to win three in a row at the start of the year was Tim, and then and then that makes you go, oh, Tim was quite good, wasn't he? Like, yeah, yeah, I think. Um... Yeah, that's exactly what I said at the start of the year. I don't think he gets the credit to, to what he, he deserves. Right, a couple but of questions. Trentino will be covered in his national flag uh, this weekend because he gets a massive following in Trentino. Um, let's see what we've got here. For someone who's got a thousand questions, you're really struggling. No, there's a lot. I'm trying to, I'm trying to like not sit here and answer... Fa- like I'm not trying to not sit here and answer... Every question. I'm trying to pick out some good ones. At Robert Flaherty, why didn't Lewis ask the main question we all said to ask Luongo? Prize money. Okay. Oh, why didn't you? Or do you not want to go into this because we're doing that after? You're confusing me. No, I'll go into this now. We'll do this. Uh, uh, No, because... uh, uh, I'll, I'll go into this now. Because um, this isn't... A, like So it was on my mind, but I kind of thought that based on what he said, you, he kind of had answered it because he said the reason they can't help the teams go overseas as much is because they don't get paid TV rights. And I was... So I kind of took that as that's the general answer for everything, isn't it? Like... No. Oh. Oh, well, okay, she's going to criticise me again. Well, no. If, if you look at any championship or any event that's that's um, put on, like I completely understand no prize money during COVID if there's no fans there. But if the fans are there, that 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 money should be going towards purse money because yeah, that's what every fan, event does. The fan money goes to the organizer, doesn't it? Uh, first and foremost, to pay for them to put on the event. But surely the the um, if if you if in front aren't providing prize money, then the organizer should. Um. I'm doing more. I'm going to be doing more podcasts with Longo this year, so I'll, I'll get into that if everyone wants. But I, do, I kind of, I kind of know that the answers out there because they've said it before that they put that money into marketing and making the chat, making it so that the riders and teams can make more money off of their image. It might have been Robert who brought it up on Twitter um, when they had. I don't know whether it was a, a magazine uh, article I seen. I'm sure it was on Twitter, but basically it said. In um, 2004, when Giuseppe took over, they were taking away um, prize money just for a few months um, because obviously the, the World Championship at the time was in a, a dire place. So they were taking it away for a few months and then bringing it back. And that was 2004 and it's never happened since. I've never seen that. Yeah. Uh, if anybody is listening to this and or if you've sent it in or, or shared it, if you could tag Lewis in it, that'd be great. 
Yeah, but I, I know they've said that before. They've said that the reason there isn't prize money is because um, they put that money back into the championship to improve the marketing, improve MXGP TV, to give the... Sure, but why doesn't what, what I'm saying the is platform... That- um, That's great. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm not actually offering my opinion. I'm just literally trying to tell you what the reason is. Like, that's great. Yeah, but you're interrupting. But it's not my opinion. Okay, okay. Well, you know, okay, Lewis. But what they've said is that they put the money back into MXGP TV and back into the marketing of the series, so the riders and teams have more of a case to make money off of their sponsors and outside sponsors and stuff. No, and it makes that's sense. What it, the answer, Lewis? I'm not arguing you. That makes sense. I completely understand their thing, but. But what about, um, I think in front need to bring back prize money because of privateers, you know, need that prize money to go racing. Okay. Um, that, because it's all right. I haven't been put on a platform, but you're not put on a platform. If you're in 25th place, you're not getting any coverage in 25th place. Yeah. But and this you is where say, do better and do, 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 you should be better. No, you've got to start somewhere. So it's yeah, like but this, yeah, but this goes back to what we were saying before last week, last time. Twenty fifth place in America makes their own image, and they make their, they do GoFundmes, and they make it happen, and they make themselves marketable. But they still so, get money, Lewis. They still got contingency money from manufacturers. Yeah, but okay, well that's a different conversation. The world, yeah, privateer. That's and I'm just saying, only part of it is down to in front. I don't understand why manufacturers are not giving uh, contingency money at a world level when they can do that in the US. I asked a manufacturer. What they said what? they can't. They said they can't force for local, um, whatever you'd call it, the local markets. The, yeah, the lo- they can't force what the local markets to do what they want with the market with their spend, and also that the local markets kind of view MXGP as their opportunity to have a bit of a holiday rather than their sort of their um, something that they should be like backing and putting stuff into. So basically sort of as their opportunity to get some VIP tickets and have a weekend. Right. So this, so I don't, I, I think that is a lame ass answer. And the reason by that is because um, manufacturers can tell dealers and everybody else, how many bikes they've got to buy, what sort of marketing materials they've got to have, wherever the logo has got to move over to what you call it, but they can tell them to put in a contingency. Well, no, cause Yamaha, 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 um, Europe doesn't tell Yamaha UK to advertise with MX5s. That's their decision. They, like, it's not Yamaha Europe telling Yamaha UK to do their advertising with us. That's just Yamaha UK making a decision for themselves. But isn't it Yamaha Europe which gives all the countries um, the budgets? I don't know. I believe it is. And it's always based on... Um, uh, how many bikes they sell? Yeah, but some some markets are gonna some some. I'm sure there's some uh, like Look, markets. The, the easiest but, thing is always to have an excuse. It's always easy to blame somebody else, but at the end of the day, they make this happen in America. And, and I think the manufacturers need yeah, to look at them. But it's very, as, I, as we've said, it's very clear in America because it's KTM North America, Kawasaki North America, Honda North America, and it's very straightforward. I know that there's teams that have asked, that have talked about doing World Supercross and have asked, said to their sponsors, oh, we're thinking about doing World Supercross, and their sponsors have gone, well, we're just Americans, so that doesn't mean anything to us. Which is the same as GPs asking, like, because it's all, you, where did you pull the money from? Because it's not one thing. Like, it's not one thing, like KTM North America, Kawasaki North America, Yamaha North America, Honda North America, blah, blah, blah. Um, that's why it's so straightforward. And also, because it's precedented there, KTM aren't going to pull contingency because everyone else does it. Yamaha aren't going to pull contingency because everyone else does it. So you're kind of, you're kind of like, like ha- everyone has to do it to stay equal with each other. Some people do more, some people do less, but everyone does it. Here, no one really 
No, because no one does it, it's easy for no one to do it. If one person man found a way to do it, I'm sure then other people would start. Well, that's that's an interesting thing for anybody who's sat in a market uh, marketing uh, job within a manufacturer and saying, "How can I increase more sales?" But then also just straight away, you've got basically an idea, and you've also got a model in America. What's very very successful? So Kawasaki started paying a couple of years ago. They started paying basically for everyone who made the night show. So not the main event. Everyone, if you finished. If you rode a Kawasaki and you were last place in a heat race, then you got money from them. Um, and there was a lot more Kawasaki's on the track because of that, because all the privateers went, well, we'll ride a Kawasaki then because we get more money. That, got, that story broke free in America and got around and everyone was talking about it. I'm not sure. And the fans sort of said, oh, that's cool. I'm not sure that GP fans would give a shit. Because I'm pretty sure that GP fans would go, oh, well, in front should be paying the prize money anyway. Like, because it's such a weird dynamic and thought process from everyone but I don't think if Kawasaki came out and said that they were going to do contingency and give every rider who rides a Kawasaki at Matterley for instance um, £500 then I'm not sure that anyone would actually give them the applause that they would want for their marketing spend because I think that everyone's kind of like not, I don't know. I don't think everyone's really aware of what what more can be done beyond prize money because everyone's very much stuck in the little box and going point A, point B. What what do we want? Money. What well, what do we need? Prize money. Well, like that's it. Like no one's really thinking about ideas. Like I said to Luongo after the interview, I said to him, everyone comes after in front. Like exactly what I said to him on the podcast. Everyone comes after in front, but everyone in this paddock is dropping the ball. Where's the contingency? Where's right privateers setting up GoFundMe's to get themselves to Argentina? I was like, okay, you make mistakes. I make mistakes, but everyone in this paddock is making mistakes as well because everyone could be better off if they actually got off their ass and did something. Because that's honestly what I believe. And I said it to a few manufacturers as well. As well. And you know what? You know what? Let's go to that. Because <laughs> we're going to be here a long time. I think you need to go and take some Xanax or something. I don't know what that is. Exactly. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve year after year. The 2022 gear is now available worldwide and there are many lines for you to consider. The 3.5 ride kit and affordable combo, the 4.5 jersey and pants, the 4.5 enduro jersey and pants, and the 5.5 jersey and pants. There is so much to consider. There is an advanced range of moto helmets for 2022 too, including the 9.5 carbon, 8.5 composite, 7.5 and 3.5. The Liat helmets are available in a broad range of striking colours to suit all tastes. The 9.5, 8.5 and 7.5 helmets also come with a free pair of bulletproof velocity goggles. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear on liat.com. That was part two, and part two was of course presented by Scott Sports, who won MXGP and MX2 at the weekend with Jorge Prado and Tom Vial, top-tier talent using top-tier product. The prospect goggle from Scott Sports is a culmination of over 50 years of experience producing goggles for the off-road and MX market. Used by an ever-growing list of champions, the prospect goggle has everything you need to ensure your vision is the best that it can be. With perfected features such as the no-sweat face foam and maximum field of vision, the Scott Lenslock system, articulating outriggers and more, the super stylish Prospect Goggle has been engineered to defend your vision no matter how extreme the conditions get. When the mud starts spraying, simply install the 50mm works film system and have an instant advantage over the competition. The Prospect is available with standard, light sensitive and now the new amplifier lens options. Amplifier injected lenses provide improved de definition and optical clarity, allowing you to see contours and transitions in the dirt like never before. Get yours now at your local dealer or online at scott-sports.com.
Right, that's part two. Uh, Fly Racing, Liat, Scott Sports, Rentful, Manscaped, Planet Motor Holidays, Props Racing Parts, Supercross Video Pass, MXGP TV, Even Strokes, Asterix Knee Braces, and Armour Nutrition. Thanks to those companies for supporting us. We'll be back in five minutes with more Luongo interview talk, more shouting, more passion. And there's also something else I wanted to get to that I can't remember, so I need to check my notes. But we'll be back in five minutes with all of that and more. See you in just a little while. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Even Strokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, or the all-new 7.5 helmet that comes with free Liat bulletproof velocity goggles, Liat has you covered. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear on www.liat.com. The MX Vice Show. Welcome back to episode 98 of the MX Vice Show podcast. Of course, thank you once again to Fly Racing, Liat, Scott Sports, Rentful, Manscaped, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, Supercross Video Pass, MXGP TV, Even Strokes, Asterix Knee Braces, and Armour Nutrition. This is part three, and part three is presented by the extremely impressive company Prox Racing Parts, who supply genuine replacement products which meet or even exceed OEM quality. All parts are manufactured to highest quality standard at state-of-the-art manufacturing facilities around the world. Hence why everything the Prox Racing Parts offer exceeds the highest level requirements that all motocross riders require. Many of the Prox parts are actually made by the same suppliers to the OEMs. Head to pro-x.com now to learn more. What do you need to know about Prox? Well, two whole shots available in the MX2 class this weekend just gone. Mikkel Harrop and Kevin Hawkmo took both of those. What do they have in common? They both use procs. Both not full factory teams, both trying to compete against the juggernauts that are KTM and Yamaha. But they took whole shots. Why? Because they use procs racing parts and they make that bigger difference. You can get exactly the same parts for your bike. There's an absolute smorgasbord of products available for whatever your bike is, whatever year, whatever model, whatever color. Head to pro-x.com, shop now, change your life, save some money, and get some better performance. It's that simple. It really is that simple. And do you know what, Lewis? Seven and a half thousand prox parts are currently on the shelf at Even Strokes, ready to deliver to you next day. Oh, wow. So... Where do you want to go with this? Um, look, this is where I stand. As a commercial business head, marketing and everything else, you cannot fault uh, David in front for what they've done. They have created a platform for people to use um, to their best ability. Um, what you can say is that a couple of things which are missing are just a backup for those that 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 step up rider. Like, do do the top five really need prize money? No. Yeah, but you, okay, that's not. Yeah, but you can't do that. Yeah, I know. You, I know you can't do that. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, do the top five need prize money? Is the prize money going to make the top five um, better? Are, are they going to be better off? Not really. With the salaries they're on and stuff like that, the 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 prize money, whether it's five hundred or a thousand euros or whatever. Um, make, makes no difference. But 
that it hasn't got to be prize money. Is there like there's a contingency fund which he's doing, like he said, for um, like what Jordi Tixier, how he benefited from um, by basically having free. Um, oh yeah, codes. every 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 team rider gets two hundred kilos. I think it's two hundred kilos. I always get the measurement wrong. I think it's two hundred kilos of free freight to go overseas, which is enough so, to get your bike in some parts and. Tixier got to Argentina using just that freight. He didn't go over, so he didn't spend any of his own money. He just spent his own money on flights and hotel. Um, he did have to put his wheels in with the Dunlop guys to make that happen. But again, he made it happen. He found a way. Yeah. Um, so there is that. There is help to go overseas. Uh, anyway, continue. So I I think can that, so we, we have an overseas, can it be literally that there's a, a privateer fund uh, for those riders who are looking to do the series and um, if they qualify, um, I, I don't know, is is there, I understand that there, there's a lot of issues now in, in how things were 20 years ago do not work now. We didn't have the social media. We didn't have the TV. We didn't have everything what we did. We did have twenty years ago. What we do have now. So there's different ways of working and different ways of making this work. However, um, just is a little step up for those people. We want to see um, the next generation. We want to see the, the, the you know this these these people from from um, thirty to to twenty have you know fill up the the gates. Because no one really wants to watch 20 people. It works in, in Formula One um, and it works in MotoGP. Um, I think if you're, if you're at a track and you're watching 20 people, then it's so spread out of racing that it does impact your uh, ability to, to have, you know, to, and, and to be entertained. Um, I would say it, yeah. just, it just needs that, that little bit of contingency for those riders who are the privateer riders who do want to go to the, to, you know, line up and go onto the round. Okay. Can I stop you there quickly? Yeah, sure. I do not think the prize money would make more riders racing MX2 in Portugal. I do not think that's the difference maker. I really don't. But you know, right. You know, like let's, let's look at it from a media point of view, right? Um, if you are a freelance media, you do get some help from in front to be able to go. Yeah. Overseas. Yeah. Yeah, but are we, what are we talking about? Are we talking about overseas or are we talking about Portugal? Because they're two completely different conversations. Well, let's, what, what's the cost of a rider going to Portugal? Well, this is the thing. Portugal is historically quite bad on numbers because it's further than you'd think. You think it's Europe, so you're like, ah. No, it's mileage. Enough. It's absolutely mileage. If you're, going from, if you're going from Assen, for instance, to Portugal, that is far. Well, that is a very far trip, much further than Trentino, much further than anything like that. So historically, Portugal does struggle with numbers more than Italy, Spain, uh, races like that. Yeah, which it will. Um, yeah. So what are we talking about? Are we talking about overseas or are we talking about Portugal? Well, I'm, 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 overseas is overseas. That's, that, I'm not talking about overseas. I'm talking about uh, the European races. Like I'm, just, for, for, I'm just thinking, right, for a privateer rider who is top five in the British Championship or top five in, in the Dutch Championship or whatever, in the ADAC or whatever, and they want to go and do a GP in another country. I strongly believe they don't want to do that. I really don't think that that's in... I don't think that... I don't know why, but I don't think that the, that is really something that they want to do. And so, I you just think, so you just think the money is an excuse? I, so they use money as an excuse, like I can't afford the GP... 
No, but I haven't heard anyone use that excuse. I've never seen anyone say I'm not going to Portugal because I can't afford it. That's what everyone has thought. That's what everyone's... That is the words that people have put in people's mouths. But I've never heard a rider go, I'd love to race Portugal this weekend, but I can't make it happen. So you believe that the fans... So everybody who's listening to this podcast, you believe that... Uh, and everybody's on Facebook and everything else, you believe that they are all up a garden path thinking that nobody wants no, to do... No, no, no. Everyone, everyone wants there to be prize money, and there should be prize money in a perfect world. But I'm what I'm saying is, I don't think that directly fixes the issue. It doesn't, I because how much, I how, right, how much prize money are you going to get for 25th? 25th? In half, 20, 22nd in, an AMA, in a 450 main event in AMA Supercross is $2,000. 22nd in um, the LCQ, so what would that be like? Well, okay, well, if you're doing it like that, then basically 25th for Supercross would be 8th place in the LCQ, which would be $1,250. So $1,250 is around about 800 euros. Uh, 900 euros. So, so for 900 euros, technically, that would possibly pay for your fuel to that GP back and go towards some of your entry. So when you start thinking about that, that's obviously a big help. Right. Do you want to know what you're going to do, James? No. You know you do the British Championship now? Yes. At the next British Championship round, I want you to ask every rider what it would take for them to go and race for... Spanish GP or uh, the Italian so, uh, it will be Latvia after that but no one's going to go Latvia because that's far but then it's Majora so say to everyone what would it take for you to race a Majora GP and I guarantee you more often I guarantee you not many people will have a genuine answer because most people will be like oh I don't really want to anyway so. well I'll tell you I'll tell you what I already know the riders to go and approach because I spoke to Ashton Dickinson he wants to do some GPs um, then you've got people like Leon Knight um, who wants to do some EMX 450 or EMX Open. And the reason why he wants to do EMX Open is because A, of the experience, and B, because he feels that it will make him faster. And C, because he can get a better result? Because it's not going to make him faster than MXGP. No, but, but what he's saying is that going to EMX Open and riding against those... A lot of riders, why they like to do EMX Open is because if they go and do MX1... Oh, sorry, if they go and do MXGP class, there's no one around them at their speed. If they go and do EMX Open, like even when they're in 12th, they're battling with 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, yeah. 12th, 13th. That's exactly my point. So that's, so that's what I've got from a rider. A rider's basically saying they'd rather do EMX Open because when they're going there, it's really good racing. It brings them on. It brings their yes. speed on. If they go and do yes. MXGP, then there's no one to race against. Yes, this is exactly what I've been saying. Everyone, everyone thinks that prize money at MXGP would make a difference, but no. What people really want is go to to go to an EMX class and race around in eighth because it looks better, it feels better, and it's all great. Go in MXGP, ride around in twenty fifth, and you know what? Maybe people will get. Maybe people will get. Uh, have a bike problem, crash out, and maybe you'll score a point, and then that is such a big deal. But the the lure of scoring a point in a GP is gone for some reason. So now people are more interested in going to EMX and riding in sixth because it looks better and it sounds better. And it you drive you drive away from the GP that you've spent money on and you've gone, you know what, I finished sixth. That feels good. Instead of, oh, you know what, I finished 22nd. That was pointless. What? Um, but do you think this is because the MXGP class is now so good that... The, the cost it takes to literally put yourself to that level is just too far. I think, 
I just think that I think I just think that there are other options. But like you say, there is an EMX Open class, and you know what? Like I saw, Gert Kresanov is doing uh, EMX Open this weekend. He could be doing MXGP. I'm sure he could raise the money from Estonian sponsors. He was a GP winner 14 years ago. Like, but why is he doing EMX Open? There's quite clearly only one reason: because he wants to be on the podium and he wants to stand on the podium instead of ride around in 26th. Which is fine because we all want a bit of glory in our life, and I'd love a trophy. Trust me, I didn't have a trophy in years. But there comes a point where if you're like, and I guess the and I guess the, the riders will go, well, we're not, we're not actually doing this as a profession. So, like, this is a, this is basically what it comes down to. If AMA Supercross suddenly opened up an EMX Open class, or it wouldn't be called EMX Open, but you know, su- suddenly opened up a support class for four fifties, how many riders would? immediately jump out the 450 class and go there because they can do better. A lot. And yeah, suddenly, if it was the 450 class, the suddenly the 450 class in Supercross wouldn't look quite as strong and wouldn't look quite as deep. Why? Because everyone's chasing a trophy in their support class. That is basically the problem we have. Yes, prize money is needed. Yes, prize money is a problem. But it is not the core issue here. It is not the core issue. But we're also fixated on this, but we're ignoring the core issue, which actually can be fixed. But instead, we're so fixated on this prize money thing because it's all anyone on Facebook loves to have a rant about because it, oh yeah, because you know, you can get some support and some likes, blah, blah, blah. But in reality, there are other issues here that are going on. And that is why we are in the situation that we're in. And I am bloody here talking sense, I think. Um, so do you think that uh, it is an, is an option that the um, top 20 qualifiers from EMX Open on... Um, the Saturday go into um, Sunday. This race. is what you do. This is what you do. The top ten in the EMX Open Championship get a free entry for the for the full MXGP season I the year after. That, do you know what? Of all the things you've ever said, that makes the most sense. And you know what? But do you want to know what, James? None what of Lewis? them will do it. None of them will do it. Because they will stay in EMX Open where they can get a trophy. None of this is my point. I'd love to run this experiment. If you said, if you went, okay, everyone, there's no entry fee for MX2 this weekend. There's no entry fee. Okay, maybe that's a bit far. Say to everyone, okay, the MX2 entry fee has been reduced by 50% for this weekend. Well, actually, this is a bad example because I don't think there's EMX250 this weekend. But hold on, let me see if there's EMX250 before. <laughs> Okay, there's wait. Let, okay, so the, uh, there's not EMX 250 this weekend. At the next EMX 250 event, if they went, okay, everyone, the MX2 entry fee has been reduced by 50%, so it's 500 euros, which is quite reasonable. Um, yeah, have at it. If you, that's only 200 euros more than EMX 250, have at it. If you want to have a go in MX2, now's an opportunity. I guarantee there would be five people there who make the jump, if that, because everyone's going to go, well, hang on. This will be the conversation in campus on a Friday night. Well, hang on. If more people, if a couple of people are going to do that, I can finish five spots higher in the MX250. So let's just stay here. And then some people will go and do MX2 and we can be even better in the MX250 and get our little trophy and look good on Instagram. So basically what you're saying is everything in the world is being held back in world motocross because of a bunch of sandbaggers. Who's changed no, their not mindset. Sam. Everyone wants a trophy. I did it at a club level. They opened up an adult B class and I was straight in there and I was way more excited to go racing because instead of riding around in 27th, I was riding around in 11th and it was the most amazing thing to happen in my life. It's basically the same fucking thing. So, it's, so, so basically, um, 
this an older generation can shout and scream because that's how it was back 20, 30 years ago. So when I was racing, you I raced feel like I'm going to get... No, but it's true. Yeah. It's true. Like I'm racing for pride. I'm, yeah, I'm 46 years old. You race for pride. Yeah. Now, and you don't race for pride. Like, like, if a British championship rider goes and does MXGP in Trentino and scores two points in MXGP, that should be something that is more valuable on Instagram than winning, than finishing sixth in the MX Open. That should, like, you should get more likes on Instagram for scoring one point in MXGP than you should for finishing eighth in the MX Open. Get a freaking red carpet. That's gone. That's gone. Now, if you, if you put on Instagram, oh, I finished ninth in the MX Open, everyone's like, oh, fucking, that's amazing. Well done. Oh, oh. Like, as if basically giving it the same credit as if it, as if you've just finished 16th in MXGP, which it's not at all. But I don't know where, I don't even know where I'm going with this now. But basically, basically, Similar to Yamaha last year, the reason Ben didn't get a Yamaha ride is because the Yamaha family thing, the Yamaha ladder became so successful that it effectively ate itself alive because Renault moved up through the ladder so fast that it basically just, the conveyor belt was on top speed and it couldn't keep up and things were flying off and Ben was one of those things. MXGP is similar. EMX 250, EMX Open have become so successful that the... I don't know what you say. That basically the EMX 250 and EMX club open classes are so successful that they are too attractive to people. Yeah. That's effectively the issue. Well, uh, you know what? I, I spoke to a manufacturer at the weekend and I told them my, uh, the head of a manufacturer, not a team, the head of a manufacturer. I told them my EMX idea. And you know what? They went, you're right, but take it a step further. Let's get rid of EMX open as well because sandbaggers are going there. Because they, do you want to know what they said to me? Why do you think Boutron's riding in EMX Open? Because he can win. And I was like, well, that's another problem, but yeah. 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 This is, why not? And, but, like, I don't, but I realize that everyone's going to, uh, you, you know, know what? I'm going to get so much shit for this because everyone's going to think that, oh, Lewis doesn't think they deserve prize money. No, we should have prize money. Yes, in a perfect world, there would be prize money. I'd love to see it. It'd be great. But I also don't think that is just the main issue with the lack of riders on the gate. No, it's way more. It's way more. You know what? And you know what? If one day, say next year, in front go, you know what? Screw it. Prize money's coming out. You know what? Everyone's getting prize money. When there's still 24 riders on the line in Portugal, then everyone would go, well, hang on. What the fuck's going on? (laughs) Well, who are they going to blame them? Exactly. But then Lewis on his stupid old podcast with his stupid old opinion, like, I genuinely believe there's some merit to this. I genuinely believe it. I, I think there's a bigger picture. I think you've only got to look at how we've changed as people. Um, and, I, and I think you, you've got to take a cold hard look at yourself. Um, if you do see uh, gratification of, of being at EMX Open and winning it rather than being 24th in the world. Um, because 20, being 24th in the world used to actually mean something. Uh, being 30th in the world, being 38th in the world used to mean something. When you used to say, I got 38th in the world. You know what? When the, T- when the TMX used to come out, I used to look at who was 35th in the championship because that, like you say, that was something. It's like, oh, so-and-so's moved from 35th to 32nd. Me too. Oh. You know, like when um, and, and when they used to put all the British riders in, like, yeah, say, like, in Bold, yeah. Proud or Rob Andrews, like... Oh, no, that's okay. Or whatever, like, for me, but. Yeah, but like, for me, it'd be like, you know, or Rob Herring, Jeremy Wally, or whatever, any riders which were coming through and they were like in bold black and they were like 26th you'd be like, fuck yeah. 
Yeah, but you know what? This is where you are the problem as well because you're saying that you ripped into the old Argentina kitty for being 18th in the World Championship after Argentina, which he won't stay there because there's more rounds, but you ripped into him and there's someone in Argentina looking at that and saying that basically the Argentina people are doing exactly what the fucking everyone should be doing. Yeah. And you ripped into them, but actually they're doing it right. I was just doing it for radio. Well, they're doing it right. So no, they are doing it right. Absolutely. They're just saying, do you know what? I can go out and ride a world championship event this year. You know what? I'm going to get so much shit for this in Trentino. And I've just had a worse weekend of my life where people were threatening to beat me up and I had to have many meetings where people were angry at me. So fuck it. Well, you can't win them all. No, but I don't, like, this is what I mean. Everyone gets on in front, but it's not... I don't actually think that... It's them who no, are... Look, I think we all have got to look, take a look in the mirror. No, absolutely. Even us. Absolutely. You, the thing is, is everybody's looking for a solution and the easiest solution is prize money. And I think, you know, from your shouting over the past 20 minutes, <laughs> <laughs> I think we've, we've possibly come round to the idea that prize money is not... It's, it's like a rubber... It's like a sticky plaster. You're just going to be plast- like putting a sticky plaster on something which is never, ever going to heal. It's not going to work. It's not going to be, it's not the solution. It's, yeah. it's, there's multiple. The mindset multiple, needs to change. Yes. Great timing. Um, that, that, that 30 minutes <laughs> was life, never getting back. <laughs> was your Planet Moto bombshell of the week. And. If you want to escape this podcast and everyday life, <laughs> then um, head, head to Spain because it's never been better down there. I don't know about this podcast. And you can still experience Spain right now. Planet Motor have packages available for the 22-23 winter. That's uh, October onwards, I think, I believe, um, from the upcoming off-season available. So you can make a reservation early, start planning, make sure that you're going to have the best winter of your life. And hey, you can even jump into the Planet Motor Academy Academy as well. Get involved and hit tracks like Red Sand and the many, many tracks I've actually got in Spain now as soon as possible by heading to planetmoto.co or Planet Moto Holidays on Facebook and Instagram. And they will uh, they will sort you right out. I can attest to that for sure. Yeah, Max and his team, they do run a solid program down there. I've had about three or four mates who've gone down there this year and have said it's phenomenal. Literally the best thing they've done. One, actually didn't even want to come back, so um, stayed for an extra week. <sighs> well, <laughs> I don't know where we take this now. <laughs> I think I need to go and lie down. I just, I'm not, I just, you know what? You know what I want? I want to be better in my life. Do you want to know what I think that I need to do for that? Masturbate more? I think I need to enter the winning world of Rentful. The winning brand in manufacturing and design for the last half century, Rentful also continues to lead the world at the very top level of the sport, amassing more championship titles than all competing brands combined. Rentful's records are unsurpassable, with 238 US titles and 232 world titles for 470 major championship titles combined. Thanks to the hard work and dedication to detail, the Rentful factory has been helping world-class riders achieve their championship goals since the beginning of, in 1969. Jorge Prado won using Rentful. Uh, Tom Vial won using Rentful. Tim Geiser finished second overall using Rentful. Uh, Yago Gertz finished second overall, no, third overall, using Renful. Basically, if you want to compete and you want to be on that top tier level and you want to enter the winning world of Renful, which is just wonderful, get involved. Head over to Renful Moto on social media even. Give them a follow. 
Lots going on there. There's lots going on at Renfall and some exciting things coming up as well. I believe we're going to have Paul Perabinos on this podcast quite soon to talk about some exciting things that are coming up in the winning world of Renfall. Heck, there may even be more winning. I think we can all agree on that. Thank you to Renfall for coming on this podcast. And you know what? While we're at it, if you feel like you want to cut something after the last segment, support for MX Vice is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the ultimate men's hygiene bundle, a performance package. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. Ready? 20% off and free free worldwide shipping with the code MXVICE, all caps, one word, at manscaped.com. That'll work on all products, no matter the price, no matter the quality, no matter the field of the product you are looking to purchase. As Lewis said, every little bit helps MX Vice. So use that Manscaped code, get trimmed down below, get onto even strokes, buy some stuff. Those things are what help MX Vice go forward. Right. Um, <laughs> I don't. I feel like this is an abrupt end to the podcast. But I really don't know <laughs> if I've got anything else to give. No. Hey, look. Um, you you've had a, a pretty brutal weekend. Um, like you say, uh, it was uh, it was a fun but brutal weekend. I wish I was there. It was um, no fun. It was no fun for you, but it was fun it was for probably, everybody else. There was probably a two hour and a half period where I was done. I was going to quit motocross. There Not was, there was a, motocross. a lot of drama for Lewis the weekend, but he, he dealt with it and he he come through. Um, Look, uh, you are out there. You are asking the questions. You are giving an opinion, which is way more than uh, most people are doing in Europe at at this current time. We never, ever set out to be a website that was just going to be chucking up PRs and getting a pat on the back and and taking people's money. We were always going to be opinionated. We were always going to try and find out the truth behind stuff. And, And, you know have some fun while we're doing it. And that's what we're doing. And sometimes there's good, there's good days, there's bad days. Uh, but uh, look, you've only got to look back, Lewis, at where you started and, and look at where you are now. Well, where I am now is getting shouted at a lot. Yeah, so you're doing well. Because if he wasn't... Uh, if Look, at the end of the day, you're bringing... Like, look at all the information that we're able to bring via MX Vice to, to everyone. Like literally the insights from riders, you know, they're getting their personalities over the information, like, you know, like settings, like just stuff which which in America you take for granted and you've never had that in Europe. And you being at GPs and, and having these relationships with people and riders and stuff is what is, um, you know, making, making a huge difference. So, um, yeah, there we go, Lewis. Well done. You can just picture me, like in the movies, like there's an American flag waving in the background faintly with me stood in front of it. Just, um, no, it's fine. It's good. It's good. It's all good. Trentino this weekend. Do you like Trentino? It's a good place be, to go. I'll likely be throwing myself off that mountain at some point. Hopefully not. Um, and I um, will be back in Latvia. Well, I've got passport issues, so I may not be in Latvia. <laughs> yes! I've just been waiting for my chance. Um, um, before we go, Seeing as you didn't listen to the post-race podcast, and if people haven't, here is Dirk Grubel talking about... Do you want to listen to this? Yeah, let's, let's do, do it. it. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, this is Dirk Grubel talking about Herlands. Cool. So, Jeffrey, unbelievable that this happened. 
I still can't quite understand it. I'm very happy he got the championship last year because I feel like that takes a bit of the pain away from the situation. I hear though everything's healing as it should. There's been no complications. Everything's kind of going okay. Although lately I've heard it's taken a little bit longer now. But uh, what is the situation with the injury? Yeah, it's it's a difficult bone. Let's put it that way. And it's healing slowly. And uh, he just got off the crutches, let's say. And starting rehab now a bit more intense and putting pressure on the foot. But we need to take it week by week. And uh, yeah, a foot in motocross is quite important. <laughs> I mean, you you need to be healthy to, to go out there and, and compete. And yeah, I also would wish it, it goes quicker, and, but we, we can't rush things. It makes no sense to get him out here and he's only healed up 70%. Yeah. He would be able to ride, but why take the risk? And, and he's not fit and championship, let's say it's gone. It would be only for GP wins, but it's also a nice thing to have, of course. But, yeah, we need to wait. If he just got off crutches, let's say, best case scenario, he starts riding beginning of May. Would that be, like, realistic? Well, that's three weeks away. Or could he maybe start riding, practicing a bit sooner than that? I hope sooner than this. I mean, at one point, once he gets back into the program, then sometimes it's a big leap to him that uh, he's, he's jumping on the bike and feels good and the pain is gone or whatever. But... We know that there's stage yet, so we need to wait. So, <laughs> there's another championship coming up. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. It's one that KTM would like to win. It's one that they could do with winning because obviously MXGP here isn't happening. Supercross has been a bit up and down. I've heard that we're at 50-50 at the moment. What can you tell us? What are the conversations? I heard he was in Austria last week for a meeting. Is that true? What can you tell us? Anything. We'll take anything. Well... From from the Piro Mobility Group's point of view, of course, it would make sense that he rides America. Yeah. Because uh, he, if he's fit, he would be a, a championship contender. And for him also, it would be nice to win another championship. But he needs to be fit yeah. to win also that. It's not that the, it's a walk in the park when you fly to America and race there, the AMA. So, no, nothing is decided. Everything's still on hold and we need to wait uh, the progress with his healing. And at one point, we need to take a decision. Obviously, Jeffrey is a very competitive person. He likes to win things. So it's, we can both say, I think everyone knows, he would like to go to America and have a go at winning a championship instead of coming here and just going race to race with no end goal. Yeah, of course. I mean, for us also, still would be nice to win races or in GPs. Of well, he's one away from 100, which yeah. is weird as well. Exactly. This, this also is a nice thing to achieve. But yeah, over there is, is a title on the line, of course. And yeah, for us... For the company will make perfect sense, but like I said, I, for me, having the team here and only one rider, I would prefer he stays with my team. But end of the day, it's not my decision, and it's it's all depending now how he's healing up, and then we take a decision which championship he's going to come. Do you know what I read into that? You still uh, there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. What, what, Do you know what, what I read into that? Yeah, I I take that as Dirk would like him to stay in MXGP but he's going to America if he heals in time. I wanted, I wanted to say that's what I heard too, but I didn't want to say it because I didn't want you to like pull me down. And like blah, 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 blah. But no, I don't, know any, I don't know anything, but just I, if, it like, felt like, reading between the lines. It felt like he's conceded he's going to America and it's, been, it's above his pay grade that um, the decision's been made for him to go to America. No, I, okay, I wouldn't say no. Okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, okay. No decision has been made, 100%. I know that for a fact. I was talking to Jeffrey last week. No decision has been made. Nothing is confirmed. Nothing is, nothing is done. 
I think it does all depend on if he how he heals, how quickly he gets back on the bike, uh, whether he has pain, all of that sort of stuff. I do believe that if he is healthy and if he looks like he's going to be ready for round one, then he goes to America. That's what I think. But if there's a bit of hesitation there and there's a bit of, oh, it's a bit tight, then I think they'll pull the plug. What's he got, five weeks? Uh, May the 25th, so... Oh, it's quite uh, more. Six, maybe seven weeks, six weeks. No, it's, it's five weeks, isn't it? No, it's more than that, I think. 25 days is literally four weeks in May, and we still got two or three to go in April. God, this is dragging, isn't it? Yeah, so um, yeah, One, he's got two, three, four, five. It's a good chance. Oh, it's seven, seven weeks. It's seven, seven weeks, weeks yeah. yeah. It's a good chance that he's going to be ready. Um, annoyingly, um, the first national clashes with the Spanish GP. Hmm. If he goes, we're talking like he's going, but I, I don't know. It's not confirmed. Nothing's confirmed, but it's a, there is a very real chance. Put it that way. Well, here's a really interesting question for you, Lewis. Uh, Hurlins is say that Hurlins does go to America. Where will Lewis Phillips be? Well, I have to be in Spain because I've got to write press releases. Unless hmm. I just walk away from MX Vice. Hmm. <laughs> Should we have that conversation? <laughs> Could do. Could do. Um, so, uh, are you not going to join the rest of us in America then? Well, uh, you're the only one who doesn't have any commitment to MXGP. <laughs> it looks like I'm going to have to go then. Damn Wait, it. hold on. I'm just looking at the. I'm just looking at the schedule. Oh, so, the fucking the second round clashes as well. Oh, I'm gonna have to be out there for two weeks. Oh, this is a real shit. And then though. what? Twelfth of June. Oh, the third round clashes. <laughs> Honestly. This is the gift that keeps giving. I've been fourth waiting for round? this opportunity. Right. The fourth round, high point. So you will see me at high point. Now, if, if Hurlings is there, I'll be a high point. I would just like to say on record now, I will see you around when if Hurlings is there. Steve Mathis, Jason Thomas, get our seat ready for me. I'm coming. I literally would, oh, I would actually want to, I would actually not be able to cope with the thought of you representing MX Vice at an event. Oh, uh, well. Especially a national as well. Yeah, get ready. This shit's going down. No, you're coming. No, no, because you're actually committed to MXGP because we're doing a live show, aren't we? Mm, no, I'm. I can't. I, I, I'm feeling ill in Spain. Weekend. Yeah, but what about the mall? Nah, fuck the mall. There's a there's a Five Guys in the mall. There's a McDonald's. There's a Domino's. There's a Subway. There's an indoor ski slope. You know, there's a lot of stuff in America too. Yes, uh, but and also uh, there's Jeffrey. We don't know if he's going, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I think there's a very real chance. Um, like, like I've said, every other year when people have asked me, I've immediately gone, nope, and I've not even talked about it because I'm, in my head, I'm like, there's absolutely no chance. I know that. This time, I'm talking about it because there is a chance. I, I was actually I thinking about a little holiday in 25th of May. So that just, that just sits well with me. If you're conceding that you don't need to be at GPs, then just let me know. Just, just to let you know, I will no longer be booking you flights and wasting money. No, I'm, I'll be at GPs, but if there's a chance that Hurlins is going to Spain, then I might accidentally get on the wrong plane. Okay. Um, right. The final part of the MX Vice show is done, and that was brought to you by Prox Racing Parts, who supply genuine replacement products which meet or even exceed OEM quality. All parts are manufactured to highest quality standard at state-of-the-art manufacturing facilities around the world. Hence why everything the Prox Racing Parts offer exceeds the highest level requirements for all motocross riders require. Many of the Prox parts are actually made by the same suppliers to the OEMs. Head to pro-x.com now to learn more. Any final thoughts, James? I feel like this podcast has been messy. Uh, well, you always say that, and then we get really good feedback. So I think yeah, you I, just I never, keep your I, yeah, but I hate everything belt. I do. I yeah. hate everything I do. 
God. Yeah, no, it's all good. No, I'm, um, I enjoyed the racing the weekend. It's really, really good. Um, gutted I'm not going to be in Trentino. It's one of my favorite places to go. Um, but it is my daughter's 10th birthday. So, um, priorities and all that. Uh, but I will see you in Latvia. And this is episode 98. So, episode 100 is rapidly approaching. Yes. And James is, James is working very hard behind the scenes on it, I can tell you that. Oh, massively. Just really, really hard. Really James, hard. This is right. Just to give you an idea of this is how MX Vice works, I, meant to, I messaged James something about improving the podcast this week. I said, oh, let's do it like this. And he replied, what? It's 100 this week. So that's where James literally has no idea. <laughs> <Funny thing. laughs> it's pretty much how my life is at the moment. Um, home. Oh, at the moment. You, you yeah. used to be such a stable, you used to be such a stable person with your finger on the pulse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I cannot wait until you've got two businesses and three kids and a wife and a dog and a tortoise <laughs> and two rabbits. I can put, bring, wait, when did you have you, rabbits? Uh, you can have an opinion. Exactly. You can have your. You can have an opinion on my life when you walk in my shoes for a day. Why have you got rabbits? Just don't ask, Lewis. Just don't fucking ask. How old right? you are they? A year. It was last. Oh, how- that was the ninth birthday. Oh, was that actually a birthday? Thing? We've got a camel for a tenth. Um, right. Final thoughts. Uh, my final thoughts are uh, excited. Once again, about MX2, I think the Gertzvial battle is going to be epic. I think Horgmo and Harrop are going to be there or thereabouts. Throw in a Kaido Wolf, MX2 is where it's at. Uh, going to be interesting to see if Geyser in front of his home-ish fans will be able to pull out a bag. Or will uh, Prado just seek that little bit extra? Hmm. What about you, Lewis? For your thoughts? Um, final thoughts, I'm, I'm trying my best. I'm really trying my best. This is not about you. I, this is about I'm MXGP. If, if anyone's angry at me, I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry. I'm trying my best. Um, and Sue has just posted a video on Instagram of him playing the piano, which just, I commented, you are not normal. And he just replies with, I take that as a compliment. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, love it. So, yeah, there we go. Episode 98. Thank you for listening. Let us know your thoughts on that harsh debate there. Um, and yeah, uh, Trentino this weekend, lots coming, lots happening. Stay tuned to MX Vice. Stay tuned to at MX Vice on Instagram as well because we're rocketing up in the followers at the moment. So I'd like that to keep going. Um, yeah. Thank you for listening. Thank you for, for your support of MX Vice. I'm Lewis Phillips, your host. That's James Burfield. We will see you next week. Bye. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Even Strokes is the newest e commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Evenstrokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at Evenstrokes.com. Escaping everyday life and riding in Spain has never been better, and you can still experience that right now. Planet Moto still have packages available, plus customizable options with the Planet Moto Academy. If you want to hit the tracks like Red Sand as soon as possible, Visit planetmoto.co for more information. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, or the all-new 7.5 helmet that comes with free Liat bulletproof velocity goggles, Liat has you covered. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear on www.liat.com. You are listening to the MX Vice Show.